Captain's Log, Stardate 73510.1. We find ourselves at a crossroads at Lone Star Station. We have a delegation joining us for an archaeology symposium, and it is essential as we are surrounded by some of the best to keep a level head. Despite this, I know that my crew is the absolute best in Starfleet, and I am so very proud of them. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to T. Earl Grey. Hot. Hey guys, welcome back to uh, These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, I'm Cap Captain Chase McKinney, and uh, I'm once again accompanied by my first officer, Eric. What's going on, dude? Oh, how you doing? Not much. I'm really excited to talk about this episode here. I'm really looking forward to some good Picard moments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we are going to be taking a dive, um, doing a little examination of uh, the one, the only, the British Frenchman, Jean-Luc Picard. And we're going to be looking at, um, I guess what we're kind of calling the best of Picard at this point. Yep, I think that's what I would call it. So... Um, we'll, we'll kind of talk about what that's going to look like in terms of this episode um, here in just a little bit. Uh, but how the heck are you doing, man? I mean, we're, we're roughly a week away um, at the time of this episode dropping, you know, for, um, or actually less than a week away for Star Trek Picard dropping. So, I mean, how have you been? What's been going on in your world? I know you have school starting here pretty soon and into your first week and things like that uh yeah the semester starts on monday for me it'll be good to go back to work i've had five weeks off and it was actually really boring and i'm looking forward to going back to work <laughs> well that's good i think i mean i think i was joking about it with you um on the phone the other day that you know you're you're off for five weeks you go back for one day and it's like i want to be on break again <laughs> yeah, yeah. It probably will take more than a day. It might take like a week before I'm like, all right, like I, I, I want another break. Right, right. Yeah, I'm I'm about to start too, but I'm not. Well, I'm gonna kind of be teaching, I guess. But back to back to school for me as well. Probably on the same day um, that you're starting. So um, different universities, different you know places that we're we're going, but. Uh, new semester for students. I'm ready to give my, my master's students some heck. Yeah, uh, the the courses that I teach, I see a lot of the same students over and over again because I'm teaching the calculus series. So, you know, you see them pre-cal, calc 1, calc 2, calc 3. It's a lot of those same people, so I've got like, some good familiarity with them. Gotcha. So, I don't, I don't know if I want to ask this question, but, like, how much, and I guess with you being in the field, you would know this, but like, how much of a difference is there really with with the different calc series? Like, is it is it like just very minute type of things, or are there more like expansive type things like in between the different classes? I don't think I'm quite sure what you mean by that question. So, calc one, calc two, calc thirty three. I mean, how much? of a difference is there from class to class? Is it a pretty significant difference? Okay, so 
in Calc 1, we introduce you to the three major concepts in calculus. And there's only three concepts in calculus. Okay. The, the limit, the derivative, and the integral. And in Calc 1, we introduce you to all of those, and we focus first on limits and then on derivatives. We touch on integrals at the end. And then in Calc 2, we basically pick up right where we leave off, and we focus more on integrals right in Calc 2 before we shift gears into something else. And then in Calc 3, we talk about three dimensions. We basically do Calc 1 and Calc 2 over again, but now adding a third dimension. Gotcha. So instead of being in 2D, we're in 3D. Okay. Okay. You know, Calc was one class that I always wanted to take in high school, and I never did. So, you know, we went to the same high school, and um, I started out in, I guess it would have been pre-algebra, and I topped out at um, Algebra 2, I think is what it would have been. Um, it was I don't think it was Trig, but I think we did... Don't you do some trig or like trig basics in algebra two, for the most part, or is it more geometry that you're doing some of those basics? I think that's probably more geometry. I mean, a lot of people say trigonometry is the study of triangles. I don't agree with that, but you you probably get into some geometry in that algebra two course, just some basic stuff. Like I can't remember because I'm sure I took those classes, you know so long ago that I have no idea what's exactly in them. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There was a... I was just listening to another podcast and there was a, a mathematician that was a guest on that um, and he's been... He's a... He's been teaching math for I don't know how long and um, hearing about him, you know, writing for journals and, and whatnot for math research and stuff. So, a uh, totally different world um, than what what I do professionally. So um, I'm glad that you understand it and other folks like you understand it so you can teach it so that I can still be confused by it. So thanks, Eric. You're welcome. <laughs> anything I can anything I can do to help. <laughs> All right. So um, so you're going back to work um, here pretty soon to, to teach and do all that stuff. So what are some what are some other things that have been going on uh, lately for you besides preparing for school? Well, I'm a, I'm a big film buff, and I like to, every year, I like to just watch all of, like, the best films that come out each year, like, in, like, binge format, like, 20, 30 films over the course of, like, a week or so. Yeah. And I, I've been doing that for 2019's best movies, and I'm about ready to put together my list of the best films for 2019. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just I just went to the theater last night and I saw 1917. I want was, to see that so bad. Which was fantastic, right? And I, spoiler alert, that shot right up to number one on my list so far. Well, well, well. Yeah, I saw that in, um, I think it was the trailer for Rise of Skywalker. Um, and seeing that that trailer like really really piqued my interest so the fact that it kind of shot up and you consider it a, a, a high quality movie um, is a really good indicator for for me wanting to see this film so I'll definitely have to check that out now no it's it's pretty fantastic well, okay so um, 
whoever's producing that, I mean, we accept checks. You can mail checks to P.O. Box 245. Just kidding. Anyway. Well, um, recently it snowed in Texas. So, um... It, I bet all of you Texans are just freaking out. We will rebuild. We will rebuild. <laughs> yeah, there... It was, you, you Southerners with your... <laughs> Like, inability to handle harsh weather. Hey, hold on. Back the truck up, dude. I might be I might be a southerner, but I lived in the Minton for 10 years. So I know how to, dr- yeah. I know how to drive in this nonsense and how to... Yeah, but I, I feel like you're from Texas. You just took a little, like, sojourn north, and then as soon as you could, you went back. And, you know, you forget. You forget how to drive in snow. <laughs> Oh man! I, okay, so speaking of snow, I can remember like one of the the freakier um, like accidents on four thirty five up in our old stomping grounds. Um, I don't. I think it was like towards the the end of the time that I was there. I think it was like around two thousand eight or nine ish. It might have been uh, winter of two thousand ten, like early winter of two thousand ten, and. Anyway, with with it uh, right there at Atherton Road near the old scout office, um, there was like 435 was shut down. It was more or less shut down due to like a, a jackknife with a semi, and they we weren't allowed to go any further north unless being uh, detour, uh, like going through a detour. So, you know the on ramp right there. Um, you know if you're leaving the old scout office and you're going up that that um incline ramp onto 435 is that yeah i know what you're talking about so instead of that they kind of they shut that off as an on-ramp down at the bottom on atherton road and instead we had to go down it to um like get around and do whatever we needed to do so i think i was trying to get up to um u of m flint at the time like for a class or i was meeting up with someone um over in in flint driving in from grand blank and it was a hot mess so um but yeah like people here like if you get a flurry man like you need to go raid walmart and the grocery stores you need to get like three weeks worth of survival food and bubble gum and bottled water man oh man and it was funny because like we i was hungry i wanted i wanted biscuits and gravy man like i love me some biscuits and gravy we went well who does who does right we went and got some biscuits and gravy for breakfast and um, like no one on the road, no one in the restaurants, and then we wanted to go um, look at something for uh, for my daughter, and we go to Walmart, and there's like no one in Walmart. It was great, zero, like no one in Walmart when we went, and we're like, yeah, they probably. I don't think that I didn't even know that was possible for Walmart's to be empty. I thought it was just like a requirement that they had to be like. I mean, they're full of people. There might have been like ten people there, but it was like it was like pretty pretty much a ghost town and stuff and uh, my wife and I we were joking like yeah people are probably going to stay home and order pizza for this uh, you know snowpocalypse that we're experiencing yeah it's funny though like oh my god it's too dangerous for us to go out on the road and drive and go get food or go to the store but it's not too dangerous for some 16 year old delivery (laughs) kid in his 15 year old car to drive on the road exactly (laughs) 
that that just always amused me that type of mindset oh i can't go out but this young delivery driver it's okay for him to drive it's so i am totally okay with him dying for me as long as i get my pizza so facts facts <laughs> that's a fact jack <laughs> oh lord have mercy well um well that's cool that's cool i mean i'm, I'm glad that that um you know, you're. You seem like you're in good spirits, ready to start start all this stuff with uh, the new year, this new decade that we're in, and uh, whatnot. So um, I guess what we need to do is we need to start moving moving on down the road and start talking about this uh, this guy, um, otherwise known as Jean Luc Picard. So yeah, let's let's do it. I mean, we talked a lot I, about him on the last podcast, but. Let's do it some more. Yeah. So are you still excited about the Picard series? I am very much still excited for this okay. show. Okay. Very much. I'm actually going to pay for CBS All Access this time. I did not pay for it for Discovery, but I'm going to pay for it this time. Sure. Sure. Now... I guess before we, we start going into our rankings, uh, one thing I am curious about, um, and I kind of talked about it in the the more recent TRTV news um, with uh, the Children of Mars, the Star Trek short trek. Have you had a chance to, to check that out and watch it? I have not seen any of those. I was not even really aware they existed until recently. I know that... Um, there were a bunch of them for season two of Discovery, and people said that they were actually kind of important and helpful to the story of season two. Yeah, there were bits and pieces. Um, I mean, because like I think the way that it's being described with the short treks is that they're being seen as more um, like companion type, like a companion type of series to the main series, and um, pretty much all the episodes up to this point have been. Um, connected in one way or another to to what we've seen in uh, Discovery Season 2 and what I believe and what we're kind of being led to believe will be um, in Discovery Season 3. But Children of Mars, which dropped not too, too long ago, um, it's being, I guess, touted almost as like a prequel slash lead up to Star Trek Picard. And dude, I watched it and it is some heavy stuff. It's it's well done. At least I think it's well done. Just my opinion, at least. Um, and it totally gave me some 9/11 vibes. So just a trigger warning on that. Um, interesting, interesting. So where do I watch these short tracks? Are they on CBS All Access? Yes. Yeah, you can go there, and um, it'll actually be called Star Trek Short Trek. So just look for the the title card or the you know the show card like they do for all the series on there and check it out it's the most recent one that aired um i think it was like on the gosh when was that um i think it was like the ninth of i don't know it was it was fairly recently it was like within the last uh few days to a week that it's that it's dropped and uh, it's good and there is a spoiler warning um there is a brief brief um, like Picard image, like 
that shows up in it. So that doesn't really spoil anything with the narrative that they're doing. Um, but it's just it's a very intentional decision that they make um, within the short trek. So um, highly recommend it. It's like six minutes long, um, and like the the credits are are what make it like an eight or nine minute thing. So. So it's anyway. super simple, super simple, and super easy to watch. Oh yeah, yeah, and and in fact, it almost feels like a music video. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, well, I will definitely try and check that out here really soon. Yeah, and for those of you that um, haven't seen it yet either, um, I mean, you can watch this whenever. Certainly, I mean, it's it's part of CBS All Access. Um, it might be beneficial um if you're not going to get cbs all access until you know the day that that picard drops star trek picard drops um it might be worth just taking those six seven minutes to watch this short trek um just so you can have a little bit more stuff to go off of just like we have the countdown comics that i've been kind of covering um the more recent trtv news that dropped covered um children of mars as well um and kind of some of the speculation some of the headcanon um, some of the theorizing um, that I have with that and how it might connect to former episodes um, that we've seen. So um, re- in regards to the next generation, such as like The Measure of a Man and um, in particular The Measure of a Man. So, um, Which I guess that's kind of a good segue um, of sorts to kind of get into uh, the meat of what we're going to talk about today, which is um, kind of trying to get the audience, getting viewers um, primed and, and ready to a certain extent for uh, Star Trek Picard uh, that's going to be airing on January 23rd, which is six days from the time of, of this episode. So um, we're only six days away from, from seeing the next chapter in Jean-Luc Picard's life and some of the lives of um, other Star Trek alum. So um, we got we got some folks that are coming back. We know Jerry Ryan's coming back, uh, Marina Sirtis, Jonathan Frakes, uh, Jonathan Delarco, um, and there might even be some others that aren't even listed that I don't know about. Brent Spiner. Brent Spiner, yeah, yeah, he doesn't count. Yeah, oh, he doesn't count. He doesn't count, no. Which um, IMDb only has him listed as one episode, so I'm wondering if they're kind of, you know, doing a little QB sneak right now and and if he's really going to be in more episodes. But right now he's only in one, according to IMDb. Well, I think that will change once the show starts to air. Yeah. And I think that maybe uh, the production company is trying to hide a few things from us because I don't know if we want to talk about this, but if you haven't seen Discovery yet, spoiler alert right here, um... IMDb listed for in season one of Discovery. They said they listed the same actor as playing both Volk and Ash Tyler. Yep. Right away, and so it like spoiled something for a lot of people. Like, mm-hmm. oh hey, this the same actors playing these, yep. and so I think maybe the production company might be trying to save us some spoilers because of a mistake they previously made. Okay. Yeah, and and that could be the case because uh, what they're what they were saying with uh, Star Trek Picard is that they only brought back people that 
had um, like a substantial type of role to um, to play in this in this new story. So yeah, I, I'll be interested to see if we're going to get any flashbacks with uh, Troy and Riker on the Titan, for example, especially knowing the timeline that Picard was in um, as an admiral, um, and if even if Riker does end up becoming an admiral, kind of like he does in the books as well. Um, and then, of course, you know, we had Jerry Ryan with Seven of Nine or Annika Hansen. Um, same thing with, um, with Jonathan DeLarco with Hugh um, and seeing how that connects. We, we're, we're getting we're totally getting a Borg vibe. So we know that they were some major Borg characters. So anyways, we'll see how that goes. Right. And so and so if you look at what this story is what we've been led to believe that this story is going to tell, there's going to be a lot of things that involve the Borg, maybe even some diplomacy with the Borg, which sounds totally crazy to think about, but so that's why it makes sense to bring back like a Jerry Ryan, Seven of Nine, and a Hugh, um, because these are people who have far more experience with the Borg than anybody else much more experienced even so than Jean-Luc Picard. And so it makes sense to bring them back to the story and for this universe to acknowledge that there are people out there who have lots of experience dealing with the board. Absolutely. And I'd be interested to see like if if the Borg storyline, you know, does not get resolved in these 10 episodes of Star Trek Picard, um, it may be beneficial. Uh, I mean, there uh, to have like other characters come in for like a season two. We already know Picard's been renewed for a season two, and we also just found out that Discovery's been renewed for a season four before a single episode of season three is even dropped, which is crazy to me. But hey, whatever. I, I mean, that's not that crazy. That tends to happen with TV shows nowadays. Is they'll they'll renew them many seasons in advance. Sure. And, and it, well, that can be a different, a different thing altogether, but I know that, like, when it can't, comes to, um, uh, like, Star Trek 4A, so, like, the Kelvin timeline fourth movie. Um, Is that actually happening? Because so, I've heard a lot of things that it was canceled, then it was back on, then it was canceled. It mainly, the main issue is that it's coming down to the investors, um, like, overseas. So... There have been rumors, at best, that the announcement for Star Trek 4A has been for um, for kind of testing the waters, um, you know, getting a, a feel for if the audience even wants something like that to happen. So, I mean, we'll I guess we'll see what happens. Um, I've like I said, I've heard I've heard both sides of it. Like the last I heard that it is that it's on, but there are some some rumbles here and there saying it's not on. So, I don't know. Time will tell. That's okay. Yeah, well, when did the last one movie come out? Star Trek Beyond. Was that 2016? 16, yeah. It was the for the 50th anniversary is when it came out. Okay. Alright, so we're looking at... It's been four years already. Yeah. So you potentially be looking five, maybe six years in between those. That's a long time. Right. Right. And with with CBS and Viacom um, being united again, there's not really a need so much for a Kelvin timeline. Uh, and that's 
That is a convoluted discussion, not meant for this episode, with all the rights and the exchanges and the 25% different, all that nonsense that we've been dealing with since 2009, really since 2005 when Enterprise went off the air because of um, Les Moonves, who was in charge of CBS, not giving a crap about, about Star Trek and wanting it gone. Don't get me started on that. Please don't get me started on that. I don't want to get started on that. Hey, you brought that up. I didn't. Okay, fine. I'm going to shut up now. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So, all right. So, um, when we did the last episode, we kind of teased that we we're going to do a best of Picard show, and um, I kind of want to just try and massage this out a little bit because we kind of have um, Eric. I think you. I think this is kind of what we agreed on. We kind of sort of have three parts to this episode. Okay, so do you kind of want to talk about that a little bit, kind of what we're going to be doing or try to be doing uh, with Picard in this particular episode? Sure. So we want this podcast to not just be for people that are like me and Chase who have known and loved Star Trek for a long time, but we want newcomers to be welcome into this as well and maybe you haven't seen all of star trek in the past but you want to get into it you want to watch these new shows right you want to watch star trek picard and since this is somewhat of a sequel series you probably need some background knowledge going into it if you just jump into this without having seen star trek in the past it might be a little hard to follow. Absolutely. So what we tried to do is come up with 10 or so, 10 or so, like it'll extend a little bit farther than 10 maybe, episodes that start out that we call the essential episodes. Like these are the episodes that will set up the storyline. So if you only watch these 10 episodes, you'll have a pretty good idea of the past, the history of what season one of Star Trek Picard is, what we've been shown, led to believe is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then that's one list that we had. And then we wanted to put together a different list of not necessarily essential episodes, but some episodes that are just great Picard moments, like these best of moments that showcase how good of a character he is and why he's always regarded as most people's favorite captain. If you do like, who's your favorite captain polls, Picard almost always finishes at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then those, those two lists are kind of unordered. We might put them in chronological order. We might not. We might just throw them out there. And then we sought at the end to do a list and rank them. Like, these are the best episodes in sort of a ranking. And I know sometimes rankings can be arbitrary, but we tried to put that together as well. Yeah, and and that's, that's exactly what we're trying to do today is kind of go over like a good... Uh, good primer for for um, the upcoming Star Trek Picard season one or series premiere really um, and 
you know, just some of the more enjoyable best Picard, best Picard moments, stories, things like that. And with the rankings, guys, this was really hard. Um, if you've ever... It's it's really hard. It's really hard. Now, the list, we're going to go through all these lists. Um, but I want you to know, and I might even say this again once we get to the rankings, that for me, I'm not going to speak for Eric, but for me personally, you know, all all the ones that I have listed... I could I could make an argument for every single one of them being number one, um, and they could shift at any any moment for me. But as it stands right now, for this particular episode, this is what it's going to be. And I might change my mind midstream. I don't know, but that's just kind of well, where we're at. Yeah. Number one for me is number one for me, and that wasn't a hard decision. And I feel like what I have at number one on my list will always be number one on my list. Okay. Okay. So, um, do you want to um, do you want to get started with essentials or best Picard? Let's do the essentials first. Okay. So, with the essentials, guys, we're gonna. Um, I know Eric, you organized yours more chronologically, and I do have season and episode assignments with mine. So, if it would help, um, so that we kind of are sticking with a chronological one, I can list mine that way as well. I feel like that's the best way to sure. do it. If you're if you're gonna go back and try and watch these episodes to catch up, right? It does make sense to do them in order. Sure. So um, let's um, let's just kind of do like you say one, I say one. Okay. We'll just kind of bounce back and forth um, in terms of this chronological whatever. And I'm assuming that we might have potentially a, a same if not similar list I've I have not looked at your list I have not looked at your list okay so there's been zero bias other than just looking at the form the document that we're using to create a structure to this that's the only thing that I've looked at and paid any attention to so uh, Eric and I have not talked about this so we might surprise ourselves and we might argue with each other about about stuff, and I doubt we're going to argue, but um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, and Chase is right, neither one of us has seen the other's list, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of overlap. Probably not going to be perfectly the same, but there's definitely going to be some good overlap here. Okay. And... And there might be some some stories that I might have to unpack as to why I consider it essential um, in relation to Star Trek Picard because it might not make the most sense um, from a story perspective. But um, and you can certainly do the same thing too if there's a little confusion. So um, so with that, without any further ramblings um, with this with the setup, um, Eric, what was um, the first of your essential Picard that you chose? The first episode on my list is the first episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, Encounter at Farpoint. Okay. I think I think this is the perfect place to start for Essential because it's right where the series starts. Absolutely. And and like I, like I said, we're probably going to have a similar list, and I have Encounter at Farpoint on mine too. Um, you really need to know who the guy is at the beginning and where he's coming from 
his early development, um, who he is a, is a captain, how he's getting established, um, to kind of really see the full progression of what we're going to hopefully be getting at in this new series um, with him. Yeah, I would perfectly agree with everything you just said there, right? We have to know who the, who he is, who the crew is, and what our character is going to be about. Okay. All right, so tell me about um, your next one. Okay. The next episode on my list is The Measure of a Man, Season 2, Episode 9. Yep. That was mine also. <laughs> All right. And I put this episode on my list because we know that Picard and Data have a really strong bond and strong relationship. And from what we've seen in the trailers, that's going to play a role in Star Trek Picard. And so this is really the moment, the first moment, where Picard, you see him really stand up for Data. Yes. Yeah. And I I agree with that as well. And, you know, we're seeing in these trailers for Star Trek Picard these... um, potential um, androids um, or some kind of new version of the Borg, but regardless, it's some kind of synthetic life form, basically. Um, in fact, um, well, it kind of talks a little bit about that, just a tiny, 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 tiny little bit in Children of Mars. Um, sorry, Eric. Um, but I think that this particular story of um, the measure of a man, it's talking about the rights that a sentient, synthetic um, life form has and the role that um, Jean-Luc Picard, uh, you know, served in, in in terms of creating those rights and, and advocating for those rights. And I think that this is going to be a full circle moment um, for both Picard and Data and creatures like Data um, as we see it. Yeah, and the whole premise of this episode is that the Starfleet science officer wants to basically take Data apart, figure out how he works, and then build more of them. Right. Maddox, I believe, is his name. Yes, Commander Maddox. Yep. And we've seen in one of the trailers that you just mentioned for Picard that maybe there are a bunch of beings like this. Maybe he succeeded. Right, and um, if I can just go there for just a second, I talked about this in uh, the more recent TRTV news, kind of like with my own theorizing. But we know, um, and sorry guys, like this isn't completely spoiler-free, but we know in, in Nemesis, for example the sacrifice that Data makes, and we've, we've talked about this before, so it's not real, really a mystery or anything hidden at this point, but part of, part of what happens in Measure of a Man is that Data is granted rights of a, of, as a sentient being, and we see this other uh, not as developed, um, not as advanced uh, prototype um, in the form of B4, and what I'm wondering, Eric, is I'm wondering, you know, despite the fact that Data was able to transfer all his memories and whatnot into B4, 
I'm wondering if the workaround and the connection to Measure of a Man is that perhaps they found B4 to not meet all the requirements of a sentient being, and they more or less took him apart and reverse engineered him for these androids that we're seeing in these trailers. So I'm wondering if the one in the drawer is actually B4, and like I said, he's not able to consent because he's not a doesn't meet requirements for a sentient being. Just my thoughts, my theorizing at this point. I think what you said makes a lot of sense there, and I can definitely see that as the potential path that this show is going to take, right? But Data's memories right, did get transferred into B4, and we, what's the last thing that we see B4 doing is we see him singing the same song that Data was singing earlier in that movie. Right, right, and... Even looking at, um, oh shoot, um, what was it, Star Trek uh, Countdown, I think it was the Countdown comic leading up to the 09 J.J. Trek film, That I'm sorry, the, the 2009 Star Trek film directed by J.J. Abrams, that um, in that comic, B4 um, was, I'm, I'm sorry, Data pretty much took over B4's body. So he became fully realized again. But it's, that, that comic is kind of in a gray area right now in terms of if it is or isn't canon because it's supposed to, the Countdown comics are supposed to be a direct tie-in to the movies. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you run into some canon issues when you start to allow people to make books and comics. I know Star Wars ran into the same thing, where they had this all this extra material that was canon that got set aside. And maybe that happens here, maybe it doesn't. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, for sure. So, um, anyways, there's a lot of potential for Measure of Man. I really think that this... Per- if you're not going to watch, well, I shouldn't say that. I really and truly believe that the measure of a man is is like required viewing for this oh, show. Oh, absolutely. Requi- absolutely. Required viewing. Absolutely. I mean, if I you just you need to watch this episode, right? Like when I was making this list, it was a no-brainer. And this this is just a brilliant brilliantly written and acted episode as well so not not only is it essential like eric and i are talking about but they just do a darn good job just a darn good job of of just the overall production of it even for it being an early an early um tng episode it's in season two so it's not it's not it's not season one it's season two but it's darn good and i know we always say that Star Trek The Next Generation doesn't really get good until the third season, mm-hmm. but you can find gems like this. Yeah, this is a right? this is a diamond in the rough for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Alright, well, I think we've made our case for this particular episode, so uh, let's let's keep and, on. And trust me, trust me, we're gonna talk more about this episode. Okay. I'm sure. Cool. I'm sure we are. Excellent. Alright, let's keep on trucking. Okay, so next up on my list, and I don't think anybody's going to have any qualms, and this is probably the next episode on your list, is Q-Who. It is. Season 2, episode 16. Yes. 
so I put this on here. Let me just kind of jump in instead of putting you on, on the spot on the front end all the time. But I put this one on my list simply because this is the introduction of the Borg. And uh, with what um, Q is doing um, at the time to more or less um, try and show Jean-Luc Picard and the crew of the Enterprise how hopelessly outgunned and matched they are at this point um, with the Federation. Yeah, absolutely. We we know that Star Trek Picard is going to heavily involve the Borg, and I think you have to know who they are. Mm -hmm. This is where we first see them. Yes. And... I also like that this episode really does tie back into the pilot episode, Encounter at Farpoint, because, you know, Q says, you're not prepared, you don't know what's out here, right? And when he puts them on trial, and then he comes back and he again says, you're not prepared, you are woefully unprepared for all the dangers that are out there, and maybe you shouldn't be out here at all. Yeah. yeah. So he still has that mindset. In, and here we are in the middle of season two. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just love at the end of this episode, Q is proved to be right because Picard basically begs Q at the end. He says, yes, Q, you were right. We are unprepared. Please help us. And you see Picard. He's like terrified and just begging Q for help. Yeah, yeah. Picard, Picard realizes um, what is against them, and how, and like, like we were saying, like he's woefully unprepared at this point, tactically, um, technologically, all that stuff. So um, we really, you really need to to see this this episode um, because, like like we said, this introduces the Borg, and we know that the Borg play a um, what we're being led to believe a significant role in the storyline for Star Trek Picard so um, anything else that you want to say about Q who no I think I think we pretty much said everything that needs to be said about this episode at least for now okay okay all right so what do you got next okay so Next up on my list, we're going to skip a bunch of time and we're going to keep on the same basic idea and we're going to go to Best of Both Worlds. Yep. Yep. So, season three finale, season four premiere. Yes. So, that's season three, episode 26, and season four, episode one, for anyone that cares about episode number numbering. Um, and, and this is... Um, not only is this like a continuing development in terms of the essentials, but this was a game changer, I think, for television as a whole. Oh, yeah. Like, we think of, like, the cliffhanger as being just part of television these days. But, man, this was groundbreaking at the time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when... I watched Star Trek, like, and I said this on the podcast I was on before. I watched all of this in all seven seasons in like eight weeks. Mm -hmm. So you know, when part one ends, you just immediately hit play part two. Yep. And you don't have to wait. But could you imagine 
watching this live and having to wait four or five months to know what happens. Dude, like that's what happened for us when we were watching 24. Like I know we're talking about tw- like we're talking about Star Trek, but like like 24 was like the most recent thing that you and I kind of were were dealing with. Like you'd see like one character shake a hand and wonder what the devil's going to happen and you had to wait four months and at one point we had to wait a year to to know what that the heck was going to happen. But yeah, like with with this though, like this was May like around, it would typically be around my birthday when the the season finale would happen and then we'd be looking at like a September October for the premiere. So yeah, like 4 or 5 months is a long time in television to wonder what the heck's going to happen to some of your favorite characters. And and the way this ends, like they come back from the board cube after they see Picard is assimilated and Commander Shelby is like, "Let me take more men. We can go back and we can save him." And Riker's like, there's no time. Is our weapon ready? We, if they go into warp, we'll never, we'll never catch them and we'll never be able to stop them. Mm-hmm. And then he says, it ends, he says, Mr. Worf, fire. And it's like dramatic music yep. to be continued. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah, the first officer is going to fire on his captain, basically. And like yeah. potentially blow him up. And I think... So this was like one of, I believe, two moments. This was one of two moments um, in Next Gen, just as a fun fact, um, that Patrick Stewart was not sure if he was going to return. So they kind of left that up in the air, um, you know, with his contract and, and, you know, continuing to reprise his role as Picard for the duration of this series. So there was that was part of it. Um, But, yeah, that was a tense moment. I remember having nightmares watching this episode when I was a kid. Wow. And so when you watched when you watched this episode, did you watch them both back to back or was there any time in between? So there was some time in between. Um, it wasn't much. So let me say this. Like I can re- vaguely remember watching this like when it was in syndication back in the 90s. I used to watch whatever I could get my hands on when I was being babysat by like my my grandma and grandpa, my my uncles growing up. And I would watch Star Trek in the afternoon while they were working on air conditioners. And I remember watching it, windows open, sun shining, and this bald dude with like a laser beam. And I was just like freaking out. I had nightmares for like a week or two. And I was probably like seven or eight, maybe. I mean, so it was like years after it originally premiered. But then when I started watching Star Trek in earnest, like we were talking about um, a while back, I remember that this episode um, aired on a like a Thursday whenever I was done with like either Mott or U of M Flint one day and for some reason the next episode wasn't going to air until Tuesday so I didn't see the conclusion of it for like four or five days I know that's not four or five months but that was I mean that was a while in the grand scheme of things for me like wondering what the heck was going to happen with Picard and like having never seen Star Trek before prior to that in earnest okay yeah wow so yeah like i said i just immediately hit next episode so i maybe didn't get the full effect of what happened here but i certainly appreciate how big of a an event this was yeah and i think i guess back in 2000 like six yeah 2006 i mean that was still the days of of netflix really only being on disc like they were just starting to I think they were 
just starting to go into streaming and I wasn't into that quite yet. So, I mean, I could have ordered the disc if I wanted to and watched it, but I didn't. And it was just like, like I've been saying before, it was mainly Spike TV for, for Star Trek for me. So, okay, cool. All right. I'm, I'm seriously, I don't know if we're going to deviate at this point or not, but we'll, we'll see. I, I feel like the next generation can be broken into like before Locutus and after Locutus. Yeah. I think there's definitely a distinction, right? Yeah. The show before and after. And I assumed that we were going to be in agreement on these first four episodes. I, I came into this pretty confident that we were going to have the same four episodes. Yeah. And here is where I think we might start to deviate and our list might start to change. And that's totally fine. I respect your opinion of this and hopefully you respect mine. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. So what do you choose for uh, following best of both worlds? Well, I, the my next episode is the next episode of the series. Hot dog. It's called, I, it's called Family. I, family. I love Family. And that was mine. Family. That was mine also. Like, I know we talk about the best of both worlds as being a two-part episode, but honestly, this family, it's really a three-episode arc, right? Absolutely. You shouldn't watch... You should not watch just the best of both worlds. You really should watch all three of these episodes together because it really is one single arc here. Yeah, and... This this is a very very well done episode, and like Eric's saying, like this is one of those episodes where it's it's a solid storyline. I mean, you see, it's the beginning, the middle, and the end of this Borg storyline, more or less, um, at this point for Picard and the impact that it's having on Picard and his crew, and we. We see a different side of him. We see a, um, a very, very significant vulnerability to him in this episode. And um, this is just top-notch stuff right here. Yeah. yeah. Up until now, we've always seen Captain Picard as this strong, self-assured, confident person. And this Borg incident basically broke him. Mm-hmm. And we see that vulnerability here. And Patrick Stewart's acting chops really get put on display here and this is just a great story yes and it's amazing that they can tell a story like this where there's no mission there's no problem right nothing we have to solve or fix it's just people being people and i i I might be mistaken but this might be the first episode where it's just people being people yeah and pure character they're it's put, there's possibly an episode before this that's just pure character, but this is this is one of the first episodes of its kind. Yeah, it's it's um, very very character driven. Um, I think with with this episode, and um, this is definitely one episode that I will happily watch on repeat. Um, in the grand scheme of things. So we might be coming back to, to family as well uh, later on down the road. So uh, we'll, we'll probably mention it again we might. by the end of this podcast. All right. 
Here we go. Keep on trucking. I think we're about, we've hit about oh. five now. So I think we're about halfway through the list of this 10-ish um, essential episodes. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's number five on my list. Yep. Okay. So if we move to the next list, I'm going to jump forward in time a little bit. Um, and I'm going to go to an, a two-part episode in season five called Unification. Season five, episodes seven and eight. Okay, so this is where we are deviating. Okay, so, so perfect. Go for it. So some good good discussion here. So this episode, Unification, I chose this for a number of reasons. The first is, we know that Star Trek Picard is going to deal with the Romulans and what happens, right, the fallout after the movie Star Trek Nemesis and mm -hmm. the event that's mentioned in Star Trek you know, J.J. Abrams, 2009. So I really felt like it was important to have a good, strong Romulan episode on this list of essential episodes. And so I chose Unification here because we get to see Picard being a diplomat trying to work with the Romulans. And I feel like that's what we're going to see in Star Trek Picard. And we also see him going on this mission with Data. And mm -hmm. we know that Data is going to be somehow important here in Star Trek Picard. Okay. Okay. So the one that I chose, it's um, it's in season five. And you might know what this is, but um, it's season five, episode 23, I Borg. Okay. So I chose... That... Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's the next episode on my list. Okay. So I chose um, Iborg, and we can just roll right into this for you as well, um, because this is where we meet Hugh, um, this character played by Jonathan DeLarco, um, who's going to be some kind of significant figure in Star Trek Picard. Now, this, this is... I don't know if it's completely... Picard as much as is most of the ensemble cast because everyone's getting on board with you know this this um, lone Borg basically and um, I think that this episode it it's essential for Picard because there's a key character from this that's going to play a role in um, in the new series so um, and the role that that Picard and the team play in more or less, liberating him um, or, or doing stuff to try and change the game with the Borg. Um, at least the, the tactics that they're kind of, you know, tossing around and, and thinking through uh, when it comes to the Borg. Because they've gone through, you know, the assimilation of Jean-Luc Picard and now they're trying to reassimilate, I guess, a, or de-assimilate, I don't know, this character to a certain extent. To a certain extent. Well, yeah, so... Like I said, this is the next episode on my list, and I would agree it's absolutely essential because we're introduced to Hugh, who we know is playing a major role. Um, or not in a major role. We don't we don't know what type of role he's playing. We know he's going to be in there. Mm -hmm. um, but I would also agree that this isn't really a Picard-heavy episode, like you said. I feel like Jordy takes center stage in this episode as... I would call Jordy the main character. Yes. And that's the thing, too, just as a reminder, um, 
you know, for for new folks that are getting into Star Trek at this point, especially if you're going to, you know, use this list as like like a primer, you know, for for getting into it, is that they have an ensemble cast and they they rotate in terms of who the lead is for each of the episodes. So, you know, Eric rightly is saying that this is more of a Geordi led episode, but you know, we've we've already said our piece about like Picard and and Hugh and this story in, as a whole. So, I guess and I think. Sorry. Go yeah. Ahead go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I was just gonna say. This episode, we see that we have two characters who really, at the beginning of this episode, have such a hardline stance against the Borg, both Picard and Guinan. Mm-hmm. Right? Who yep. they just absolute hatred for the Borg and you think for appropriate reasons, right? Picard for being assimilated and Guinan, the Borg destroyed her entire world. And by the end of the episode, we really see these two characters come along and feel sympathy for our character of Hugh. Because we see that once somebody is severed from the collective, like their humanity, right, just as a broad term, their humanity starts to reassert itself. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess this kind of leads me into uh, my number, I guess we're on like seven or six or something seven I guess is my number seven um, on on my list is um, the inner light okay that is the next episode on my list so um, we're kind of we're kind of off just a little bit that's okay yeah I threw that one episode in there that you skipped over yeah yeah it's totally fine it's totally fine there yeah, it's, it is totally fine yeah the inner light um, it is certainly a Picard-centric episode, for sure. Um, there is that mission component, but I think that this is essential viewing because there is significant uh, character growth that just happens in the span of 42 minutes um, and, oh. how that, and how that impacts him for the rest of the show, in my opinion. Yeah, this episode, it's not essential because it moves the storyline along like some of these other episodes that we put on here it's essential because it's just straight up great character here like mm-hmm. you said and we just it's fantastic this is if you go to imdb is the highest rated episode of the entire show it won the hugo award for best dramatic presentation right the hugo awards are big awards in the science fiction community and anytime any poll is taken on what are the best Star Trek episodes, not just Star Trek The Next Generation, but episodes across every show, this always ends up near the top spot. Yeah, it's consistently in like the top like three, four, or five, like across all of Star Trek. So yeah, it absolutely is. Excellent, excellent Star Trek. So. Um, yeah, and the acting that Patrick Stewart does here is just great. Where you see him go from, you see him go from confused to accepting to embracing, and then at the end he, and there's this loss, mm-hmm. right? You see he right, he's confused, accepting, embracing, and then this loss that happens at the end. Yeah. Yeah, there's, um, God almighty, I use this, and I, I wish I had it memorized, and I feel like such a horrible 
uh, Trekkie for not having it uh, memorized. Uh, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it. Here we go. This I, I use this quote at times with my clients, um, and I'll you'll just you might even see me post it from time to time in groups or on Facebook or or I might I, I might try and use it in conversation. But one of my absolute favorite quotes um, comes from this episode, and it's about this whole carpe diem thing. For those of us that are a little older, that was like one of our favorite sayings back in the late 90s, early 2000s as a result of Dead Poet Society. Um, now it's just this YOLO nonsense. YOLO, whatever. Okay, anyways, so um, Patrick Stewart's character, um, which is a different character name in this particular episode because he's kind of taking on the life of someone else, um, says to his daughter, live now, make now always the most precious time. Now will never come again. Things are only impossible until they're not. I love this quote. It's it's that's one a, of my that's a great one of my, that's a great quote. One of my favorite a, quotes that Patrick Stewart delivers um, in in most, if not all, of of TNG. That's a great quote. Oh my god. So, anyway, is there anything else that you wanted to add to uh, the inner light as we keep on trucking? I mean, we could spend two hours probably talking about this episode. It's just so good. It's so good. And like I said, it's not going to advance the story, but it's going to advance the character. Exactly. So we can we can get like these these story driven moments, which is fine. You know, like all the action, the mission, and stuff, kind of like we've been talking about in the past, but. We also need to advance the character in this, and like, and I don't want to be a broken record. I'm, I'm sounding like one, but this episode, hands down, does a ten out of ten job of advancing the character of Jean-Luc Picard. So, uh, you're right, Eric. We could probably do a, a whole week worth of episodes out of this one episode, but that, that's not for today. So, <laughs> nope. All right. Okay. So, as we move along, I've got two more episodes on my list. I think you have three. And the next episode on my list is also a character moment, not a story moment. And this episode is called Tapestry, Season 6, Episode 15. Okay, that is not my next one. But keep on going. Okay, so Tapestry is this great episode where... It talks about how the things in your past define who you are, and we all have these ideas where we want to go back and change things that we've done in our past. Like, oh, I was such a dumb in my youth, if only I could change that. Mm -hmm. But we see that these are defining moments that help you become who you are. And I just think that that's just... That's just a great idea, a great concept. And I love this episode as well because it's a Q episode. And mm -hmm. it's one of the only times where Q is not played for comedic effect. Mm -hmm. Q is played for a real dramatic effect here. And it's really fantastic to see. Yeah. So mine, this might be a curveball in the grand scheme of things. Because um, it might seem as if it's not directly connected to the series, but I still think it it's one of those 
character moments, kind of like we were talking about with the inner light. Uh, this one, the one that I chose next, make sure. Yep, the one that I chose next is season six, episode ten and eleven, the chain of command. Uh, yeah, I assumed that that's what you were gonna say. And okay. Definitely, definitely a great episode. Um, I didn't put it on my list because, like you said, I don't think it advances the story that Star Trek Picard is going to advance. But it's right. a fantastic episode, right? Yeah. Fantastic episode. So Chain of Command, um, uh, Patrick Stewart once again got some his fair share of awards for this one, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he he did a lot of research for this particular role um, as it relates to torture. Um, so there's um, just to kind of do try attempt to do a synopsis of this two part story. Uh, there's um, a mission that takes place, and we get the uh, Beverly Hills cop captain coming in as the uh, the new captain for the Enterprise. So they have to kind of do a change in command ceremony. Um, Edward Jellico um, is the new captain, and the guy's name has escaped me for some reason. Help me, Eric. Ronnie Cox. Thank you. So yeah, he's from. I'm, I know him from Beverly Hills Cop. So yeah, that's 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 what he is. But he's also on uh, Stargate. Yep. He plays Senator Kinsey. Yes, he re- does. Recur- a recurring antagonist on Stargate SG One. Yes, and um, there's a lot of um, issues. Uh, mainly between Riker and um, Captain Jellico, um, but they had to do this because there's this like kind of off the books type of mission that's taking place, going behind Cardassian lines to try and do a little something, something. And I'm just going to leave it there and vague book it as much as possible for you guys just to go watch it, enjoy it for yourself. Um, but you see in this episode this this fortitude, like really manifesting. Um, in in Jean-Luc Picard um, in terms of how he deals with, with struggle, how he deals with, um, with pain, mental torture, physical torture, um, and just the resolve that he has. And I think we're going to see that um, in a way, um, again, based on the trailers and the teasers and the stuff that we're seeing with the show um, and the Borg and the torture that he went through by being a former Borg, um, I think that that kind of knowing that side of him and seeing that side of him can be um, an important part of the recipe to really knowing the character of, of Jean-Luc Picard going into the show. So, um, it, like I said, it's not Romulan or Borg-focused, but it's more of that character development like we were talking about with uh, the inner light. And I think I would perfectly agree with everything you just said there. Um the the other guest star in this episode, uh, David Warner, mm-hmm. uh, he plays the Cardassian interrogator. Um, he's a been around for a long time in a lot of characters. Um, you'll notice him. He's in Titanic. He's mm-hmm. like the 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 valet, the valet. I guess is how the British people say. It. They don't say valet. The valet of Billy Zane's character. Um, he's in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. He's the, the scientist. The original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Secret of the Ooze. Right, right. Secret of the Ooze. Yeah. Uh, and he just is fantastic in this role 
of this Cardassian interrogator. Um, and you know, if you've listened to me on this podcast, you know I love Deep Space Nine, right? And this is the the last episode of Next Generation that aired before Deep Space Nine premiered. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of this episode was to set up the Cardassians as major players and a key force to be reckoned with because they were going to play such a major role in Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So, um, I think we have uh, one or two more episodes to, to get through for Essential Picard viewing. I have one last episode on my list. Okay. I think you have two, so yeah. why don't you go ahead and do one of your other episodes because... Um, I have a feeling that my list and your list might end at the same spot. Sure. So the next episode that I chose following Chain of Command is Descent Part 1 and 2. Okay. I did not choose this episode for a number of reasons. I think I think I understand the reason you picked it, and maybe you can elaborate on that, is because it's a Borg episode, and it brings back the Hugh, our character Hugh. Yep. I cho- didn't choose it because I didn't want to oversaturate my list with Borg-centric episodes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what we've seen later from the Borg with, you know, um, Star Trek First Contact and everything we saw with them in Voyager, I don't really feel like this episode fits with the the board that we've seen in later iterations of Star Trek. Yeah. And and you're right. Like I did choose it mainly because it's it's bringing data into it, data and lore into it and Hugh and all these other Borg that you know, will they won't they defect type of thing and just kind of how that part might contribute to the formula of just understanding the Borg and just the story. Potentially, I mean this. This this could be a toss-up between essential, non-essential. So that's it's kind of it's toe in the line for me at this okay. point. Um, yeah, and and I also think that that if you're just watching the episodes that we put on our list, you know, you're not going to necessarily know who Lore is. Right, because we didn't even mention that episode, and that's a is that season one. Yeah, season yeah, Data Lore. Data Lore, yeah. Season one. And then, of course, Lore comes back in at least two other episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's in Data Lore, these this two part episode, and then I think there are two other episodes that feature Lore. Okay. So after this this one, I I have one one more for essential like show viewing, and then I have two bonus for essential viewing. So. Okay. All right. I have one more as well. Okay. So um, I'm going to go out on a on a limb here. I'm going to guess that it's probably All Good Things 1 and 2. That is correct. Okay. All Good Things. All right. So tell me about, about All Good Things. Well, All Good Things is the series finale. It's All Good Things dot 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 is the official title. Okay. Meaning in, like, all good things must come to an end. Um, so what I really like about this episode 
is that it provides this great bookend with the series premiere. Yeah. And yeah. that, like, in Encounter at Farpoint, we see Q puts, you know, humanity, represented by Pat, uh, Captain Picard, on trial. And then we revisit this trial with Q presiding. And he says, the trial never ended. Your entire journey here was this trial. And I just love the way they managed to bookend the series with this this concept. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I do agree with all that stuff. And it's... The thing that's kind of cool about this, too, is that um, I think they even say in the show, or they allude to it in the show, that there's a 25-year gap that's basically going on, um, if I'm not mistaken. I think they, in fact, I think they say that it's like around 2390-something when, yeah, I think when, I heard 2399. And that's when Star Trek Picard starts, is in 2399. So how crazy yeah. is that? But but I almost think that, like, we see in this episode this future timeline, right? And I feel like that might be a little confusing to Star Trek Picard, because I think all of this future timeline that we see in this episode... None of it is supposed to have happened, I don't believe, in Star Trek Picard. It's not, and it kind of goes back to, you know, what we hear Doc Brown kind of say in Back to the Future Part 3 at the very end when he gets on his new time machine. And, you know, Marty and Jennifer are asking about the future. And uh, and Doc Brown more or less says, uh, the f- don't worry about the future, it hasn't been written, just live your life and make your future a good one or something like that more is more or less what's being said and all you back to the future geeks out there can correct me and hate tweet me if you need to but i mean that's that's kind of what we're being left with is like yes this is one potential future but it's not written yet and if you open your yourself to new possibilities new opportunities you know the gates like wide open for you to experience fabulous things and, yeah, and yes, it, book, I, it bookends. It bookends this this show very well. And I just, I really like the very last shot, like, of this episode. We see that throughout the show, a lot of our principal cast, um, they played poker together. That was, like, the thing they did on downtime. But it's, Picard is never there. And we finally see in this last episode, he shows up and he sits down with them at this poker game. He says something to the effect of, and maybe you know this quote better, he says, I should have been doing this all along. Mm-hmm. Or why did it take me so long to, to sit down and do this? I should have done this a long time ago. And then Deanna Troy says, you were always welcome. Yeah. And then, then that's the very last scene of the show. Yeah. And then he. Or I think I think there might be a, a shot of the ship outside after that, but yeah. essentially and that's how it ends. Yeah, he deal he deals and he says uh, whatever he says about the cards, and then the sky's the limit. And I think that was just a, a beautiful way way to end it uh, for the crew. So, um, so I have I have my two bonus ones for essential okay. viewing. 
all right? And I'm pretty sure I know what they are. And like I said, we have not talked about this, right? I just have a pretty good idea of what okay. you're going to say. So bonus viewing, if you're feeling like an overachiever, come from the movies. Star Trek First Contact, 1996, which is more or less a direct sequel to a certain extent from Best of Both Worlds and Family, uh, and Star Trek Nemesis. Yep, those are what I thought you were going to say. Um, so I know that Star Trek First Contact is like your favorite, one of your favorite things, the thing you've seen the most. Yes. And um, I listened to your the episode of uh, I Love That Movie podcast that you were on where you were talking about this episode. Oh, and lovely. <laughs> no, no, you did you did a fantastic job of of really describing this movie and why you like it. And and I absolutely think that you probably you need to watch this episode, right? For this story. Oh, oh watch watch the movie, you're saying? Watch this movie. Yeah, watch yeah. this movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you really you can do it better than I can. There's that scene where He's talking with Lily in, in the in the observation lounge toward the end, and she basically calls him Captain Ahab. Mm-hmm. Ready to hunt your whale. Yeah. They and, and they, he, they take and our lands said, and we fall back. You know, they they assimilate worlds and we fall back. You know, the line must be drawn here, this far, no farther, and I will make them pay for what they've done. Yeah, and you really, that, like, when he says, I will make them pay, you're like, wow, this has been, what? Six years. Six or six years since this event, but he's not over it. No. Like, he'll never be over it, and, like, he wants revenge, and there's the scene on that holodeck where he disables the safety protocols, and he shoots... He shoots a board that was one of his own crew member that was assimilated with a Tommy gun. Yeah, yeah, with a and Tommy he's gun. like, and then he tries to like beat him over the head with it after he runs out of bullets. Yep. And and he has like no remorse at all and no no sympathy for the fact that this was one of his own crew members that was assimilated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I could, and and I I probably will do. Um, uh, you know, a Star Trek First Contact episode. Uh, we'll probably wait till April to do that episode, just because of First Contact Day. Um, so, but yeah, we're we're definitely going to talk about First Contact, and uh, we'll certainly probably talk about this other movie that I mentioned to a certain extent, um, Star Trek Nemesis. And this was the final Star Trek: The Next Generation crew movie. And it kind of ended on like a kind of like a putter. I mean, it didn't really. It was. It wasn't that great of a movie. But what happens, I believe, was essential uh, for for greater understanding. Uh, or at least, or at least parts of it were, were are essential for for greater understanding. At least for Data and Picard, and kind of where Picard is um, at the beginning of the show. Yeah. So Star Trek Nemesis is the last chronological thing that we've ever seen in Star Trek, mm-hmm. right? It's the, like, everything that we've seen afterwards. Um, 
Enterprise, Discovery, all takes place before this. So this is the last chronological thing that we've ever seen in Star Trek universe. Right? So we're going to have a gap of 20 years that this show is going to hopefully fill in the details of what happened between Nemesis and where we start out. And I absolutely think this is essential. Um, like you said, it was kind of a putter. It's not regarded very highly among Star Trek fans. Or the crew. Will, or the crew. Like, or, or, I will say I don't hate this movie. I actually enjoy it. I think that there is a good movie that can be made out of the basic premise of this of this film. Yeah. Right? I just don't think it was executed as well as it could. And I think a lot of that has to do with the director. Yeah, because the director wasn't well acquainted with, with Star Trek properties at all. He just knew sci-fi and action. Or more action than anything. And he just kind well, of disregarded well, the Star Trek lore. Yeah, he, he had no knowledge or respect of Star Trek. And he he actually resented being forced to follow the in-universe rules. He just wanted to make things up. And I think that's the major problem with this. And I, and what I don't understand is that Jonathan Frakes, you know, directed a lot of episodes of The Next Generation. He directed First Contact. He directed Insurrection. But they didn't even ask him if he wanted to direct. Correction. Actually, so I, I was just listening to an interview uh, where he was on a panel um, at STLV, I think it was either 2018 or 19. and Actually, it was 2019, so the most recent one that happened in uh, July-August of 2019. He was asked to uh, to do Nemesis, but he turned it down because he didn't want to always be known as the Star Trek guy. So now he's kicking himself for not doing it because he thinks, and rightly so, that he probably could have done a better job with it. And I... I know for myself that I would have rather seen a Jonathan Frakes Star Trek nemesis than this other guy. Which I, was it Stuart Baird? Is that the name? Yeah, Stuart Baird. And Stuart Baird is not a movie director. He's a film editor, very well-respected film editor, Oscar-nominated film editor, who's only directed three movies in his entire career, this being the last movie that he ever directed. Mm-hmm. He directed... Executive Decision, which is like a Kurt Russell, Steven Seagal movie where terrorists hijack a plane and commandos like have to like get on board midair. He directed U.S. Marshals, the sequel to The Fugitive right, with Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. And he directed yeah. and he directed Star Trek Nemesis. Well, there we go. Well, there we go. So uh, did you have any like bonus content at least for the essentials list that we've kind of been working our way through no I think that is everything that I had essential wise okay so I'm gonna kind of go there for a second and I'm going to assume that our best and our our overall best or our absolute best like our the best Picard moments and our rankings are gonna probably be fairly similar lists compared to what we've we've already stated maybe one addition or maybe one or two um, omissions 
Yeah, there are a lot of overlap between the essential and the best. Okay. And so, so my question is, right now, it, as we move into talking about the best, are the best the same epis that you have? Are those the same ones that you're going to rank? Um, or is, is that a different list? It's kind of. I mean, I, what I kind of what I did in terms of my essentials and my best is I kind of use that list as a starting point for ranking. So I have some on my best that were not on essential. Right. So do I. But but my ranking is going to be the same as my best of list. Okay. So so I don't I don't have two separate lists there. Okay. So let's just do this. Let's just kind of um, go through the best list and just kind of list it off. And if we've already talked about it, then we've already talked about it. If there's anything else that we want to add to it to make a case for it, that's great. Um, unless you want to do more of like the diving in on the ranking, what would you prefer, Eric? Well, let's let's just let's just list them off first, right? Okay. And then you can we can see what we have, and then we'll get to the ranking afterwards. Okay. So yeah, let's just rattle them off with um, best of Picard. So um, and it doesn't have to be in a particular order, unless you've assigned an order, which is totally fine too. Yeah, I just basically have my things in chronological order. Okay. Okay, so um, go ahead, and, and was this a list that you had 10, do you have 12, 15, 178? I mean, how many you got on here? Yeah, all 178. <laughs> no, I have I have um, 10 episodes on the best of list, and then 5, like, honorable mentions that didn't quite make it. Okay, I have zero honorable mentions, so um, let's... Let, how about this? Let's do. Let me let me say mine first, and okay. then um, you can do your ten, and then you can cap off the best of Picard with your honorable mentions, or you can reverse that. Totally fine. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. So, in no particular order, I did not assign a ranking to this. So, this list is going to be very similar to my essentials. So, uh, I have Encounter at Farpoint, which we've already talked about. A lot of these we've already talked about. Best of Both Worlds. Uh, okay. Family, mm-hmm. Chain of Command, uh, All Good Things, uh, Measure of a Man, The Drumhead. Yep. I have The Drumhead on here, which we have not talked about. We can talk about that here in a second if we want, if we need to. Um, the Inner Light, Tapestry, which was not on my essentials list, but it's on my best of list. Okay. Uh, and then uh, my last one is Star Trek First Contact. Okay. So. So that's a pretty good list. We're gonna have some similar things here. Okay. Um. So my best of list, I have Encounter at Farpoint, The Measure of a Man. Um, sorry, I just lost my list. What happened to it? Oh, I closed it. I gotta open it back up. Sorry. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so um, next on my list is the drumhead. Okay. Okay. Uh, which you had on your list, which we have not talked about yet. I have Captain's Holiday. That's a good one. Yep. The best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Family. 
the inner light, chain of command, tapestry, and all good things. Okay, so there's like, uh, I'm hearing like maybe two or three episodes that uh, I guess need to be talked about. Okay, and then and then I'll run off some honorable mentions here. Okay. Um, I have Sarek mm-hmm. from season three. Right, we all know Sarek is Spock's father. We do now. We do now, right? Yeah. Um, I have. <laughs> I'm surprised neither one of us has mentioned this episode until now. Uh, Darmok. Very famous okay. episode. Okay. Like, 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 like. I put it on my list because it's a very famous episode, and when we do rankings, it often is ranked pretty highly. But I would say that this is probably the most overrated episode. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't like it, because I I do like it. I think it's a good episode. I just don't think it's as good as its reputation would lead you to believe it is. Okay. Okay. Um, then I also have. Two, two episodes that I would call follow-up episodes to things that are already on my list. So I put Captain's Holiday on my list of best episodes, and Captain's Holiday has a follow-up episode called Cupid. Yes, yeah. Right? And then The Inner Light is on my list of best episodes, and it has a follow-up episode in Season 6 called Lessons. Yeah. Yeah. So... From our main list, we have, sounds like, three. And then from your honorable mentions, I think I was hearing, like, what, maybe another two or three? Yeah, that sounds right. So let's let's um, let's start with your honorable mentions then, okay? Before we'll work our way up to the ones that are actually on the list, so to speak. Okay. So chronologically, the first episode on my honorable mentions is Sarek. Season 3, episode 23. Okay. So, Sarek is Spock's father. He gets introduced in the next generation... Not the next... In the original series. Excuse me. And then he comes back in a couple of the original series movies as well. Okay. Um, He is the Vulcan ambassador for the Federation. Um, and in this episode, I think Sarek is like 200 years old at this point. Yeah, he's, he's pretty old. And, um, like, his mental state is failing. Like, he can no longer control his emotions as well as he, as well as he used to. Mm-hmm. So he visits, he visits the Enterprise, and, um, essentially, Captain Picard, like, they... I don't think they mind meld, so to speak, but like Captain Picard somehow helps Sarek control his emotions. I haven't watched this episode in a number of years, so forgive me if I'm not perfectly describing it. But essentially, somehow Picard is able to help Sarek control his emotions, but it causes Picard to like lose his mind temporarily. Yeah, and I think he ends up having to go to sick bay and be stabilized by Dr. Crusher, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that sounds right. And then this episode, I just think, like, it shows you what Picard is willing to do for the Federation and important people in the Federation. And Mm -hmm. it also, this episode, ties into 
something that was on my essential list, the episode Unification. Yeah. Which, which, um, because, uh, there's, we didn't even mention it when we talked about Unification, but Spock, uh, Letter Nimoy, shows up in that two-part, that two-part episode. And, of course, Sarek is Spock's father, so that's one of the reasons why Captain Picard is sent on that, that mission to find Spock, because he shared a mind with Sarek, and, right, Sarek dies in that episode of Unification. Yeah. Yeah, and just a fun tie-in, too, like, just to understand, like, when things were kind of released and the timing of things, uh, and, and I'm, I'm hoping I get this right, but Unification Part 1 premieres, and then um, Spock says some line about, like, you know, the thing that I did, um, and, like, he's alluding to something that he did in, um, uh, what was it, uh, uh, The Undiscovered Country, that aired in 1992? That sounds right. I think 91. It was 90, 91 or 92. Um, so it was, right. it was around this time. So you had Unification Part 1 premiere, and then right after that, you had uh, Star Trek VI, which was you know Kirk's crew, basically. It was the last Kirk-era film, basically. Um, and one could argue that, but um, last Kirk-era uh, film, and then we get Part 2. So... It's teased, we see it played out in the movie, and then it's resolved in Unification Part 2. Right, and I really, that's correct. Like, they used Spock's appearance in Part 1 as, like, a, a trailer. Yeah. Right? And, a te- and a tease. They absolutely did. Okay. So, um, so that was one of your honorable mentions. Uh, keep on going. Okay, so let's, let's, um, let's first focus on Darmok here. Okay. Season 5, Episode 2. Very, very popular episode, right? Like, everyone knows the quote, Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra, and then Shaka when the walls fell, right? And mm-hmm. Like, even if you don't know Star Trek, you probably heard that at some point. In some variation, it might be a, might have been butchered, but you've probably heard some very variation of it. Right, and so, essentially what happens in this episode is... There's this race of aliens that we've tried to communicate with them, but they're just considered incomprehensible because they talk in, like, parable and metaphor. Yeah. And they, so, like, they make references to things, to historical events, to talk about what's happening now. And if you are not aware of the historical event, you can't communicate with them. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they basically sent out like a, a a peace offering essentially to the Federation, and the Enterprise shows up at this planet, and uh, Picard and this captain from the other ship are beamed down to the planet, where there's this like creature that they have to fight together, and fighting this creature is what's going to like unify the Federation with these other alien race. Mm-hmm. And so you really get to see Picard, um, the diplomat here, and and trying to work with and understand this other alien. Yeah, and and like you were saying, whenever you're talking about like just describing this episode, listing off your honorable mentions, you're right that this this is a popular episode, and it might be overrated. Um, I. 
I did debate putting it on my best of Picard list. Um, and I, I have an uncle, uh, my uncle Don, um, him and I are, are the Star Trek, uh, gurus in, in my family. And we will sometimes talk to each other in the Darmok language, which is weird when that happens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's all. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> But yeah, like we, we might be like at um, like a Christmas gathering, like whenever I'm in Ohio or something, and um, he'll just start talking to me in the Darmok language, and I'll have to like really think on it for like a hot second, but then it starts coming back. Don't ask me to do it right now because it ain't gonna happen. Um, but but it's cool and and it's popular, and I don't know if this would be a good entry point for someone. Um, but if you're if you are in, certainly interested in seeing Picard the Diplomat. Uh, this is a good episode to watch for that very reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would perfectly agree with that. Okay. So um, do we have, is it one or two more on your honorable mentions? I've got two on my honorable mentions. Um, they're both follow-up episodes to something that I have on my best of list. Okay. Okay. So on our best of and our essential list, we both had the inner light. Yes. Right? I think we we've talked about that and said that's a fantastic episode so that has a follow-up episode in season six it's called lessons season six episode 19 and so what happens in this episode is that a new crew member comes on board and she is the head of what uh i think it's stellar cart stellar cartography astrometrics or stellar cartography something like that yeah yeah, essentially. And what happens is Picard and her basically start a romance together. Mm-hmm. And they they fall in love. And uh, he has to send her on, like, a dangerous mission. And there's this moral dilemma of what does he do? Is he going to be the captain? Or is he going to be the lover and try and protect and save her? Right. Right. And it's a fantastic episode. And one of the things that these two bond over and why it's a follow-up to the inner light is, we didn't mention this when we talked about the inner light, but one of the things that Picard does when he's living this other life is he learns music. Mm-hmm. And he plays this... Resican flute. Like a, it's called it's a, a re- flute. Yeah, Resican flute. It's, it's actually a penny whistle. Um, but it's this alien flute that his um, his alter ego so to speak plays that he he learns to play basically uh-huh. and Picard learns how to play it and you'll see this flute in his ready room and his quarters in other episodes after this after the inner light happens so you always see it there in the background it it plays a prominent role and it's just a nice neat little touch and so this this woman um, basically plays the piano and like Picard and her bond over playing music together. In fact, um, uh, there's this interlude that we're we're having right now um, in the podcast with a little sample of um, you know the theme that he plays. So um, hope you guys are enjoying that. Uh, Eric, go ahead and keep on trucking with that that list. I don't know if I I, I might have cut you off with the inner light and lessons. But um, no, I'm start. just curious. I'm just curious to know what your opinion of this episode is. You haven't really said what you think of it. 
I like it, and um, it's it's kind of a forgotten episode to a certain extent. It's not. I don't consider it to be uh, a memorable episode, but it doesn't make it a bad episode. Um, and I think that this this episode, you know, it hints at the the romance of Picard, but it also kind in a way, in a, a very it might be kind of like going off the reservation on this one. In a way, it kind of connects to the command test that we see later on in I think it's season seven with Deanna Troy whenever she's trying to go from a lieutenant commander to a commander and you know the decisions that she's having to make we kind of see Picard doing that now in lessons um, you know with with having to make the tough call of potentially having one of your crew members die on a mission yeah that's interesting I didn't think about that but you're absolutely right that's the same type of situation yeah yeah so um, I can I can see why why you would choose that with it being an honorable mention because it's connecting to this this great story by virtue of the flute basically um, and just the well, yeah they they bond over music yeah yeah so um, I I wouldn't have even considered that one so I'm 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 so glad that you brought that one up uh, for for at least an honorable mention for for best of Picard moments so uh, and I think the this last episode is you said Cupid correct yeah. Uh, and and I, why don't we just talk about these two episodes together? Because uh, Cupid is a follow-up episode to something I have on my best of Picard list. Yeah, and uh, uh, let me just say this, okay? Picard doesn't say it. Jordy doesn't say it. Um, and if I get it wrong, then this is a foot in my mouth. I'm just going to delete it. I protest, sir. I am not a merry man. Love that line from Worf. I love, I love that line, Worf, Captain. I am not a merry man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great. It's, if you've never seen this, he's episode. in like he's in like he's in like tight green tights. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got this like fedora thing. Or I mean, like this old like you know Robin Hood style hat with a feather in it. And he's like this. He's a Klingon. I mean, he's 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 a he, Klingon playing like Amer- somebody out of Robin Hood. <laughs> It's great because he's wearing tights. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, Lord. So, Captain's Holiday is the episode uh, on my best of list. Season 3, episode 19. Mm-hmm. Where basically, the crew basically forces Picard to go on vacation. Yeah. And he doesn't want to, but they force him. And he goes to Risa, the pleasure planet of Risa. Which is basically what Zephram Cochran was describing... You know, if you know what I'm saying, uh, for the yeah. type of planet that he wanted. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, while on this planet, he's just trying to relax and, you know, sit out in the sun and read his book, but he gets drawn into this crazy, quirky Indiana Jones, James Bond style mission, right? Well, yeah, he's the archaeologist. I mean, you gotta yeah. you gotta throw him a bone sometimes, man. Yeah. So like. We meet in this episode the character of Vash. And man, Vash and Picard have such great chemistry. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. So you might you might have known this, but for some of the listeners that might not have, um, the character of Vash was actually supposed to be pronounced Vash, but because of Patrick Stewart's accent, it defaulted to her being renamed Vash because of how he pronounced it. Okay. 
but it's just this is just fun right there's no it's not like there's no like mission threatening the enterprise or threatening the federation yeah it's just fun character stuff here that's going on and we really get to see Jean-Luc Picard not be Captain Picard, but we mm-hmm. get to see him be Jean-Luc Picard, archaeologist extraordinaire. Absolutely. It's just it's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. So like for me this is was a no-brainer choice for best of best of Picard. And that and to be honest with you Eric, that was one that I was debating putting on the list. Um, and I like it. I like this episode, but I don't like it that much. And that doesn't make it a bad episode. Okay, it it is certainly a fun episode, um, and it is it definitely has some amazing Picard moments. It just, I guess, it just didn't make it for me, and that's okay. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. So. But and then and then so that's in season three. Yeah. And then in season four. We get this episode, Cupid, season four, episode twenty, right? It's called Cupid, right? Q P I D, like yeah, Q P I D, because our character of Q is going to come back. And boy, is he going to come back and have some fun, man! And so what happens is Captain Picard goes on this vacation to Risa, and he meets Vash, and they start a relationship. But then he leaves, and he goes back to being Captain Picard. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, he doesn't talk about it. He he, he has doesn't. A, he does not talk about it at not all. Not at all. And he's right? got like smirks from on, everyone. What happens on Risa stays on Risa. Yep. And everyone's trying to get it out of him, and he's just so tight-lipped, man. He is not saying anything. And it's, so it's what cute. happens? It's cute. What happens is the Enterprise hosts a. Federation Archaeology Conference and Vash shows up as part of this archaeology conference and she goes around to the other crew members expecting that they've heard about her and to a person everyone's like who are you we didn't hear anything about you and she gets kind of upset yep and And then wondering if Wondering if you know Picard cares or ever thought about and all this stuff and and then calamity and nonsense and shenanigans ensue. It's great. It's great. Yeah, and then Q shows up and transports the whole cast into Robin Hood mm-hmm. with Picard as Robin Hood and all the other characters are Little John, Friar Tuck, all those other people, and Vash becomes Maid Marian. Yep. And it's just so much fun. Like, again, it's silly, but it's just fun. And the, if you want to just enjoy this, right? Yeah. Yeah, this... Like, this nothing, the, nothing, impo- nothing important is happening. If this episode didn't exist, like, the story would still move on. It's just so much fun. Yeah. This this is loads and loads of fun. And uh, it, it's it's a good... I don't want to relegate it to being a filler episode, but it is. But it's no, no, it absolutely is. If like, like Star Trek Picard is only going to have ten episodes, the Next Generation had twenty six episodes per season. Right. So this is absolutely something that if you cut down the number of episodes, this thing is getting kicked out. 
Yeah. But if you if you just want to smile and have a good time, go watch this episode. And if you saw Captain's Holiday, great. If not, I think that's okay too. And I might be going a little far with that one. But this is just good fun. And it is. And and Star Trek is supposed to be fun. Yeah. Right? You're supposed to have fun watching. You're supposed to enjoy it. Yeah. So all right, well, I think we've gotten through the honorable mentions, and we have uh, about three episodes to talk about from the uh, Best of Picard list. Now, we've we've already listed off, um, you know, our list, and most of them, like we, just to kind of recap real quick, most of our Best of Picard moments, or, or shows, or whatever, um, were already listed on Essentials. Now, the ones we're going to talk about are the ones that were not on our list originally. Uh, for some of us, so um, and there is some brief overlap uh, with with Eric and I, and that's kind of been the trend. Um, we had a lot of overlap with essentials, and we have some overlap with with best of. So, um, uh, like I said, we have about two or three. And just to recap, what were um, I had the drumhead? I think that was the only one. What were the others for you? The drumhead was also on my list. Yep. That is now that we've talked about. Um, Captain's Holiday. The only episode that we haven't talked about from my list is the Drumhead. Okay, so that's it then. Yeah. Okay, so the Drumhead is uh, season four. Um, looks like episode twenty-one, I believe. Yeah, it's it's right after Cupid. Yep. So it's interesting. You go from Cupid, which is this just funny romp, to the Drumhead, which is this incredibly serious episode. Oh yeah. This is like Salem Witch Trials, McCarthyism in space, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, brilliant episode, and I do have a quote pulled up that I want to talk about here in a second. Um, but let, let's talk about the episode first. So um, help me understand, Eric, um, your rationale for including this episode on Best of Picard. So uh, maybe we just do a little quick episode recap here to sure. start off. So what happens is there's this Klingon on board the ship who gets accused of sabotage and gets accused of spying for the Romulans. And so they bring in an admiral to, like, investigate what happened. And this is one of those so-called rogue admiral episodes that Star Trek features a lot of. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a, it's so, a trope of Star Trek, basically. Yeah, the Rogue Admiral. This is this is probably the best of the Rogue Admiral episodes too. Should we do a best of Rogue Admirals show? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of those, aren't there? <laughs> um, but so this admiral comes in and she brings in her staff, one of whom is a telepath to like read people's minds. And she's investigating this act of sabotage. Mm-hmm. And eventually you learn that, like, this Klingon was acting alone. Like, nobody was working with him. But there's this member of the crew, like a medical, um, like a medical assistant, who claims to be um, of Vulcan descent. He says his grandfather was Vulcan. But it turns out his grandfather was really Romulan. Dun, dun, dun! Um, And, like, they start to say, well, 
he's a Romulan, he's the enemy, and he's obviously guilty of helping this Klingon. And they basically put him in, like, a kangaroo court. And that's where we get the name of this episode, The Drumhead, where Picard has this great speech about how military commanders would turn over the drum and sit on it. And if you got brought in front of a drumhead court, you were basically doomed. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and it's just... It's just really... It's really heavy. It's really weighty stuff. But it's just... It's fantastic, and it gives the entire cast an opportunity to shine with their acting. Yeah. And the thing that I can remember from this episode uh, between two of the principal cast um, was, like, holy crap, is... Are they going to be able to mend their relationship? Like, like did they just, like, shoot themselves in the foot and, like, they're going to be at odds with each other the rest of the series? And that was between Picard and Worf. Because oh, Worf, yeah. Worf is absolutely helping this rogue admiral, and he yeah. believes in her cause and her mission. Mm-hmm. So I remember being very concerned for Worf and the relationship that he has with Picard, uh, especially throughout because we see like in the observation lounge there are like um, I think like maybe two or three like one-on-one conversations that Picard is having with Worf and there's this cause for concern that I was experiencing just watching the dialogue the various dialogue take place between them yeah so um, there's a quote and, and actually the the I just want to talk for a minute um, yeah about the who plays this rogue admiral, the actress. Um, uh, sh- come on. I've heard, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Let me look it up real quick. But this might be one of like the best one-off guest appearances in the show's history. Um, I'm bringing this up. What's her name? Her, she's a very famous actress. Um, well, it's, it's, is- it's Admiral Nora Satie. Yeah, I'm talking about the actress. Her name is Jean Simmons. Yep. And she's actually an Oscar-nominated actress from the the 50s and 60s. So. And she is just fantastic in this role. She, she like reminds me of like a more chill version of Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. <laughs> I honestly have no idea who that is. Okay, so for any of you you Harry Potter fans out there, she send she, send all the hate mail to me for not knowing who she is. So she plays a much more subdued, but in in like kind of like the same vein as Dolores Umbridge for all you you Potter fans out there. So, anyways, there you go. But she's just fantastic in this role. Yeah. Yeah, she she is just so like calm and cool throughout the episode and how she does it and she she politics well um, in her presentation I mean she does a great job in, in playing you know creepy and, and evil basically oh yeah oh yeah and oh, sinister yeah. so um, yeah, and, and it really, and that's really and that's the thing like she's she does a good job of not outright playing that and you just see it evolve so so uh, slowly and it just finally manifests uh, at the the end of the episode so 
Um, great. So I know that Eric, you have been compiling some um, Picard quotes um, here and there, and um, I hope I'm not stealing one of them. But I I love this. No, and I, this is this is your ship. Like you go with it. So this is one of my favorite quotes from Picard, and he says it so calm, cool, and collected. But whenever he does it, it's a total mic drop moment. And I'm not even going to attempt to do it like Sir Pat Stu does it, uh, like I did with First Contact. But he says, um, when just to set up the scene, so Picard is uh, called to the stand, basically, and he's being interrogated by um, the Admiral and, and her crew and, and stuff, um, going through this this witch hunt, basically, this, this drumhead trial. And Picard's basically had it up to here uh, with her in this whole thing that everyone's been going through. And Picard says, you know... There are some words I've known since I was a schoolboy. With the first link, the chain is forged. The first speech censured. The first thought forbidden. The first freedom denied. Chains us, chains us all irrevocably. Irrevocably. Words are hard. Those words were uttered by Judge Aaron Satie as wisdom and warning. The first time any man's freedom is trodden on, we're all damaged. I fear that today. And then the Admiral cuts him off and says this, How dare you, you who consort with Romulans, invoke my father's name to support your traitor's arguments. It is an offense to everything I hold dear, and to hear those words used to subvert the United Federation of Planets, my father was a great man. His name stands for integrity and principle. You dirty his name when you speak it. He loved the Federation, but you, Captain, corrupt it. You undermine our very way of life. I will expose you for who you are. I have brought down bigger men than you, Picard. So this is the part where she's just coming unhinged. Yeah, oh yeah. And that was one of the quotes that I'd collected, but, you know, like, let's use it now because we're going to use it later anyway. But it is just a great moment because Captain Picard, he is so calm when he says his part. And then she just loses it. She stands up and starts yelling. And then they brought in another admiral to, like, oversee this as well. Yeah. Second admiral. And when she goes on her rant... The other admiral just stands up, doesn't say anything, and walks out of the room because he knows everything is over. This entire investigation, this entire witch hunt, like, she's just lost it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've seen that admiral, I think, at least twice. Uh, I think it's like, um, and if I get this wrong, sorry guys, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I'm pretty sure that's admiral uh nakamura that we've seen twice possibly i'm not certain Um, i could be getting my episodes mixed up so if anyways whatever but great moment great episode i'm glad that it made the list for both of us for best of picard no i'm looking i'm looking here not nakamura is admiral thomas henry henry okay okay that's fine so uh uh, with that, do you have anything there- else that you want to add to the drumhead? Uh, no, I think this is just a fantastic episode. Okay. So did we got through everything on my list, my list of my honorable mentions. Was there anything on your list, uh, any episode that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, no, I think we've covered the essentials uh, fairly well. Um, and at this point, um, I think it would just be... Um, Unless there is something that hasn't popped up, I think it would be 
potentially exhaustive to continue to like go through the same episodes in terms of like, explanation, but I'm certainly open to that. So we can, if there are certain things that just stand out, like with quotes and things like that, then bring it on. But I think for the most part, we're going to have a, a similar, if not a fairly identical list in terms of what we've already named. Sure, sure. So, um, um, now, so at this point, um, we are going to go through our rankings. So we've talked about essentials, just a recap up to this point. We've gone through essentials. So that's viewing that we, in our own opinion, recommend that you, you consider, that you watch, that you check out prior to viewing uh, Star Trek Picard, if that's what floats your boat. Okay? Um, that's if, you want, if you want to use that as like a type of primer, basically. Um, and then we've just gone through our best of Picard now, which for me, they're pretty much all the same as essentials with that one exception of being the drumhead, which we just talked about. So those are just really good Picard stories that we, that we both like, that we, or the ones that we like that we recommend as just really good Picard moments that might not be essential. Now at this point, we're going to, um, maybe go through this um, a little faster, potentially, um, since we've probably already highlighted them, and I'm, I know I'm sounding like a broken record at this point, um, but we're going to start at the bottom with 10 and work our way up to our own number ones. Now, we might have similar ones like we have all along the way, but they could also be wildly different. Eric and I have not talked about our lists. We've said that before. We have not talked about each other's lists, but they're pretty similar in terms of like how we kind of list them off. So, um, with that, yeah. uh, anything else that you want to add about uh, talking about rankings and, and other stuff in general, Eric? Well, like I said, my my list, my best of list, um, the episodes that I mentioned, those are going to be the episodes that are going to be in my rankings. Right? I'm just going to now rank them in order from 10 to 1. And like I said, we've talked about all these episodes, so I feel like I'm just going to have like a little quote that I feel is is interesting from each episode as I go along. Okay. But and like I said, we could probably go through this a little bit faster now because we've talked about each one of these episodes, I think. Right. And I I might come up with a quote um, or just some idea from it if if the moment captures me, but at this point I don't. <laughs> but but if in the moment I feel like it, I'll say something. So, um, let me just go ahead and get this kicked off. So, my number 10 for um, absolute best of Picard is Tapestry. So that's the first time it's appearing on any of my lists. Um, no, actually, I, well, no. I, I kid, I kid. That was on my best of list. So so Tapestry was, is my number 10 for absolute best of Picard. Okay, right. That's It's on my list as well. Okay. Uh, do you want me just to go through all of mine, or do you want to go no, back no, and forth? No, no, we'll, we'll go back and forth. That was your number 10? Yes. We'll do my number 10 now. Okay, so my number 10 is Encounter at Farpoint. Okay. And uh, this quote that I have is perfect. He says, We humans know our past, even when we're ashamed of it. Mm. And, then Q, and then Q says, Now you will answer the charge of being a grievously savage race. And Picard says, Grievously savage could mean anything. I will only answer specific charges. And Q responds, are you certain you want full disclosure of human ugliness? So be it, fool. And I just love that that um, 
back and forth between Picard and Q. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Uh, my number nine we just talked about is the drumhead. Okay. All right. My number nine is the best of both worlds. Okay. And I know this this might seem a little low for a lot of people, but the reason why this is low on my list at number nine is we always think about this as the episode where Picard is assimilated. But when you actually watch this episode, Riker is the main character, mm-hmm. especially in part one, especially in part one. So that's why this episode is a little bit lower on my list, because it's not as Picard-centric as these other episodes. For sure. Okay. And I just love this this back and forth. There's two backs and forth. One between Picard and Guinan, and one between Picard and Riker. Yeah. So Picard and Riker, they go, what are your impressions of Shelby? And I don't know if we even mentioned Commander Shelby at all when we talked about the best of both worlds. But she's like this hotshot, up-and-coming lieutenant commander who's like the Federation front man, front person, front woman, yeah. front person, which I front person, let's say front person, on the Borg, and um, she has no respect or no patience for Riker at all. You're in the way. Yeah. Uh huh. So this is the, between Picard and Riker. Picard goes, what are your impressions of Shelby? She knows her stuff. She has your full confidence? Well, I think she needs supervision. She takes the initiative a little too easily, sometimes with risks. And then Picard goes, sounds like a young lieutenant commander I recruited as my first officer. (laughs) (laughs) So with with Shelby, I I haven't been able to verify it, and Eric, you might know this. Um, but in Star Trek Insurrection, in the um, the duck blind mission, um, I'm I want I want to say I'm 95% sure that's the same actor um, that's in the duck blind that plays uh, Commander Shelby. Um, that's there on the on that planet. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, like it's the I... um, the person. It's the blonde haired woman that says Commander Data, stand down, really loud, and there's like a a tight shot on her face. So I'm not sure if that's supposed to be Commander Shelby or if it's the same actress playing a different character. But that'd be really interesting if that was a direct tie-in. That would be really interesting. I'm not aware if that's true or not. Hmm. Well, well, well. I guess we'll have to, to look into that. But um, fun, fun thing. I mean, most of you guys that listen, and Eric, I think you know this too, but I... I dress up as as a Riker, both Commander and Captain Riker, and um, I think it was about a year and a half ago by now. It was a fall of seventeen or eighteen. Um, I was at a convention, and my friend Andy Allen, shout out to you, Andy, if you're listening. Um, Andy, she dresses as Commander Shelby uh, from time to time. So I was in my my Commander Riker uniform, and she was in her her Shelby uniform, and we got some great pictures together. So I'll make sure to uh, at least post one of those pictures in the group so you guys can, can see that uh, whenever this, this airs. That's that's cool. Like, I don't know this um, or not, maybe you do, but we mentioned this, that the best of both worlds, they wrote this cliffhanger because they weren't sure if Patrick Stewart was going to continue. Yeah. And this was kind of the way to maybe write off his character and have Riker take the captain's chair. 
but was Shelby always intended, if that was the possibility that Riker becomes captain, was it intended that she was going to come in and be the replacement first officer? I don't know, because, I mean, it should have been Data, um, by virtue of him being, um, you know, second officer, you know, um, right, being the right. number three in command. It should have been him. And can I, I I've, I've talked about this with, um, with someone else, but this episode bugs me uh, for a reason. And, and this episode does, th- this story does appear on my list later on. Um, but something that bugs the crap out of me about this episode is the fact that um, Riker gets a field promotion to the rank of captain um, in the in part one, uh, and yeah, middle no, to end I, of part one. I don't one. think it actually. Ha- I don't think it actually happens until part two. Well, still, like in this particular, you're, whether it happens in part one or part two, he still gets this field promotion, right? And he's considered Captain Riker at this point. Now, here's the thing. Like, I know your brother was in the military. I tried and stuff. And the thing about field promotions is that when you get a field promotion, you keep your promotion. And you can't necessarily... I don't think... I'm pretty sure you can't ask for a demotion. So even if... um, Even with Picard coming back later on, Riker should have still stayed with the rank of captain. So there was absolutely no reason other than Gene Roddenberry and company saying we want him to be a commander again. Does, does, yeah, that's interesting. You're probably right about that. But if he still holds the rank of captain, is he allowed to, to serve in the capacity of first officer? Well, I guess that's another great question because we see that with Spock and Kirk in um, at least uh, Final Frontier Forward. And, uh, and I also think Scotty, doesn't Scotty get the rank of captain? Yeah, he gets the rank of captain in um, Search for Spock, I think, whenever he's tasked with, um, you know, the uh, the Excelsior project. So he's the captain of engineering. So, I mean, yeah, I, I guess you could. But okay. But um, there there's no reason why Riker should have been demoted to commander unless he did something savagely grievous right uh, but but like he should have it would have been interesting to give him a ship and kind of having them like do their own thing I, I don't know but like that that's something that bugs the crap out of me is he should have stayed a captain and not had to wait until you know nemesis basically when the story demanded that he be a captain at this point so anyways um all right um where were we? I don't even remember. We So we just did both of our episode nines. Okay. So getting back on track. Thank you for that, Eric. Uh, my number eight is All Good Things. That's my number eight. Hot dog. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we need to talk about that one anymore or any quotes that we need to highlight? Well, yeah, I just, this again, like, we encounter at Farpoint was my number 10, and All Good Things is my number 8, and these two episodes we taught, mentioned how they work is this bookend, where we go back to the trial, mm-hmm. and there's this interaction between Picard and Q, it goes, Picard's like, I sincerely hope that this is the last time I find myself here, Yeah. and Q says, you just don't get it, do you, Jean-Luc? The trial never ends. We wanted to see if you had the ability to expand your mind and your horizons. 
And for one brief moment, you did. And then Picard says, when I realized the paradox, Q says, exactly. For that fraction of a second, you were open to two options that you had never considered. That is the exploration that awaits you. Not mapping the stars and studying nebula, but charting the unknown possibilities of existence. Yeah. And what a great quote that sums this up. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So moving right along to to number seven, I have encounter at far point. Okay. Alright, so my number seven is um, Captain's Holiday. Okay. Okay. And so I just this I just love this interaction between Vosh and Picard. Like like she says, you know what, Jean Luc? It's lucky for you we've met. If it wasn't for me, if it wasn't for me, you'd still be back there sitting in the sun, relaxing. And he says, that happens to be exactly why I came to Ryza. And she looks at him and smiles and says, I'm sure you hated every minute of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Oh, Lord have mercy. Well, uh, I think... What I'm gonna do impromptu is I'm actually gonna switch my five and six. So okay, okay. So my my six is chain of command. Okay. All right. Um, that's on my list. It's a little bit higher. Um, my number six is family. Brilliant episode. Yeah. Right, and we talked about this. One thing that we didn't mention is that. Um, Picard's brother, Robert. Um, Picard and his brother don't get along, do they? <laughs> That's the understatement of the century. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, this Picard comes home to this vineyard in France, and at the end, basically, they get into, like, a fistfight, but in the mud. Yep. Right? And, like, everything just comes to a head, and they get into this fistfight. And after this fight ends, Picard just breaks down. Like, he's finally ready to just break down and let his emotions out. And mm-hmm. it's just this this great piece of acting. And I know I'm not going to do this justice, but I want to read through this quote here. He says, You don't know, Robert. You don't know. They took everything I was. They used me to kill and destroy, and I couldn't stop them. I should have been able to stop them. I tried. I tried so hard, but I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't good enough. I should have been able to stop them. I should have. I should have. And then Picard's brother comes in. He says, so, my brother is a human being after all. This is going to be with you a long time, Jean-Luc. A long time. You will have to learn to live with it. You have a simple choice now. Live with it below the sea with Louis, or up in the clouds with the Enterprise. And then Picard says, you know, I think you're right. I did come back here so that you could help me. And then Robert cheeps in. He says, yeah. And do you know what? I still don't like you, Jean-Luc. <laughs> and it's just this great, great moment from from Patrick Stewart here, this acting that he does in this episode. Yeah. And, and seeing him break down is just, it breaks you. At least it broke me. Like, watching him break down the way that he did in that that episode. Yeah. 
So, all right, we're getting into our top five, everyone. Here we go, top five time. So, coming in at number five for me is Measure of a Man. Okay, right, that's on my list. It's a little bit higher. Um, number five for me is the Drumhead. Okay. Right, which we've talked about a lot, especially yeah. here recently. And you stole you stole my quote from this episode earlier, but that's okay. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Captain's prerogative, right? Yeah, yeah. Though that's okay. It's a great quote, and and I'm glad we got it in there. All right. So, um, coming in at number four for me was family. Okay. All right. Good. So we just talked about Good. family. Yep. Uh, number four for me is Chain of Command. Okay. Which and that was my, my number six. Number yeah. five. Okay, yeah. And so um, the one thing about this episode is people, everyone knows the, maybe you do, maybe you don't, you've probably seen the meme where he goes, there are four lights. Yeah. Right? That's like the big key moment from this episode. Um, and... Uh, people always say that Picard had this strength and he refused to be broken but that's actually not true this this Picard was broken and you see at the very end of the episode he takes command of the Enterprise back and he goes into his ready room with Counselor Troy and he says to Counselor Troy he says at the end he gave me a choice between a life of comfort or more torture and all I had to do was say that I could see five lights when, in fact, there were only four. And Troy says, but you didn't say it. He says, no, no, but I was going to. I would have told him anything, anything at all. But more than that, I believed that I could see five lights. So you see there that, like, he actually was broken by this... In by this this event, this incident that happened to him. Yeah. And I know that whenever I was describing that episode, like I spoke to the strength um, and the fortitude, which he does have. I mean, Picard does have this inner strength about him, but at, he, he does balance it well with this brokenness. Like you were, you know, correctly describing. Yeah. So, Anyway, so I think we're on number three now, correct? Number three, yep. All right, number three. Here we go. Best of both worlds. Okay. So, so I, this was number nine on my list, and I told you I put it a little bit lower because mm -hmm. I don't really think of it as a Picard episode. Mm -hmm. so, so what's your rationale for having it so high? So I know that this is a Picard list, but... Um, I like Riker. People know I like Riker. So that might have influenced it a little bit. But I just think it's a really good story overall. And No, sure, I'm not I'm not debating that at all, but my my thought is it's not really about Picard. And the just seeing the the transformation for everyone, um, and the the dilemma that everyone is in, uh, and just kind of how this kind of sets up other storylines, um, even in spinoff series to a certain extent. And, and that's 
you know, alluding to, to Voyager with Scorpion uh, 1 and 2 with, with uh, 7 of 9. Um, I thought it was interesting that, you know, in First Contact, uh, they say that he can't be saved. Well, that's not true. You were saved, dude. And 7 of 9 was saved. And they could be, you know, you know, converted back to being a human to a certain extent. So um, I just think that this is a classic episode. It might be overhyped. It's just got a lot of nostalgia value for me. Um, I just really enjoy the story. I like the the dilemma that we see Riker in. I like the dilemma um, and just what this does for Picard moving forward um, for his overall character development, especially some of the payoff that we see both in family and later on in uh, Star Trek First Contact and what I'm hoping we're going to see in Star Trek Picard as well. Okay. All right. I think those are all fair and valid points. Yeah. And I'm not saying I put this episode at number nine, which, like, out of 178, number nine is very high yeah. on the list. Yeah. And you might disagree with my, my top two once we once we get to that. So. Okay. So Here we go. <laughs> my number three. My number three is The Inner Light. Okay. But that's at number three. Has this already been on your list yet? Nope. Okay, all right. I didn't think so. But I put this at number three. And like I said, this is... When any type of ranking is done, this one always ends up near the top. Not just for for the next generation, but for Star Trek, period. Yeah. And I just love this, this quote here. Like, Picard, he's in this man. He's living the life that his name is Cayman. And he's married to this woman named Eileen. And and there's this interaction between them. And she says, Was your life there so much better than this? So much more gratifying, so much more fulfilling, that you cling to it with such stubbornness? Mm-hmm. It must have been extraordinary. But never in all the stories you've told me have you ever mentioned anyone who loved you as I do. And that's and like just, that's like a dagger to the heart right there too. Yeah. And just uh, like I mean, like I said, we will we could spend forever talking about this episode, but I've got I, it at number three. I think we should. I think we should do um, maybe like a follow up or something, uh, where maybe we we can talk about some of these episodes more in depth, or we can do like a viewer's choice where we we do like um, an in depth discussion of some of these episodes, and I think Inner Light will inevitably be on that list. For uh, longtime Trek viewers, but um, to kind of segue into number two, the inner light is my number two. Okay, all right. Okay, so my number two is the measure of a man, and I know you have already had that on your list. Yeah, that was uh, my number five. Okay, and so like the measure of a man is again an episode we could talk about forever, um, but I just love this quote here. I actually have two quotes. Picard, he's at the end of this this hearing, this trial, whatever, and he says, Now, the decision you reach here today will determine how we regard this creation of our genius. It will reveal the kind of people we are, what we are destined to be. It will reach far beyond this courtroom and this one android. Yeah. It could significantly redefine the boundaries of personal liberty and freedom, expanding them for some, savagely curtailing them for others. Are you prepared to condemn him and all who come after him to servitude and slavery? Your Honor, Starfleet was founded to seek out new life. Well, there it sits. Yeah. And he points at, at Data. There it sits. 
this this is that that episode is just so brilliant and I can't speak speak highly enough of that episode and if I haven't if if Eric and I have not convinced you enough of how much we love and how brilliant this episode is then I don't know what you're still doing here yeah but I mean check you 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 seriously need to watch this episode so if you've never seen it before yeah. uh-huh and so here we are number one on both of our lists okay now remember this is best of Picard okay so <clears throat> if you are welcome to disagree with me I, I won't disagree with you Eric because I like you you're all right I've kept you along that I've kept you around this long so all right this might may come as no surprise to some of y'all out there, but my number one for best of Picard is Star Trek First Contact. Ooh, curveball, curveball! I thought we were just talking about episodes. <laughs> no, I, I, I did expect you to put this at number one. Okay. Like, this is not this is not unexpected. I was perfectly expecting you to have this at number one even though it is not an episode but because i know how much you love this movie Mm -hmm. i mean i know you've talked about it ad nauseum but is there anything you want to say about this movie right now that maybe you haven't said before or just to reiterate no no not really um i've i've said it a lot um, both here and on other podcasts and in casual conversation and not so casual conversation. Um, it's no surprise to um, that, that this is here. But what I, what I will say is that um, taking this, if I were to do like a substitute in terms of like inserting an episode um, that um, I might not have already listed, um, I might put, um, gosh, um, I'd probably put Tapestry in somewhere closer to the bottom, which would make Inner Light number one overall. You already put Tapestry, wasn't it number 10 on your Oh, list? that's right, that's right, I'm sorry. Well, regardless, if, if I were to pick another episode, um, I, my, my overall number one would be the Inner Light. So, okay. Um, but... I just love this movie so much. Um, it's it's ma- it's mainly the music and just the story of striving for hope and fighting against the impossible and things like that. Um, in fact, the the main um, title, the um, the melody for First Contact, is my ringtone. It's been my ringtone on my phone for a very long time. And um, anyway, in fact, the uh, the early episodes of this podcast had that as the intro music. Um, until I kind of figured out the format that it was today. So um, there's just something about the movie um, and what Picard goes through that just really speaks to the immaterial part of me. Um, it, go, it goes to the very core of my being um, that um, I would argue that other episodes of Trek has not done. Um, and if it has, maybe I just haven't completely realized it. But this this movie has just had a profound impact on me the story not necessarily the movie just the story has had a profound impact on me so i'll i'll just say that and stick with it i think i think that that is very well said very well said okay so here we are for your number one my man okay my number one 
and for me this was an easy choice um this is number one it was number one from the moment i saw it and it will probably be number one forever for me and this is tapestry okay a very lovely episode and well done and and we have certainly talked about that but i want to hear more about it and what why this one might sit on the pedestal for you so um well some background for this episode it was originally this episode was going to be called a q carol so like a the letter q and then carol right as a play on a christmas carol mm-hmm. right and so the idea originally behind this episode was they were going to have three different moments that they would highlight you know in picard's life like a christmas carol does um but eventually they realized that was just too big for one episode and they wanted to keep it keep it smaller and more focused so they went back to this one defining moment I would argue the defining moment of Picard's life where this is what happens that makes him become Captain Picard, right? Because without this incident, he would never have become a captain. Right, yeah, we see that he was just, not that there's anything wrong with wearing a blue uniform, but he was just relegated to being a middle-aged, like, junior junior officer, basically. Assistant... Uh, astrophysics person. Yeah. Yeah. So no command, no leadership, no real drive, no nothing. And this, this point of heartache for him, like literal heartache is what caused him to move forward and become the man that he is today, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just the idea behind this episode of we all have these moments in our past that we're not proud of, right? I think that's Absolutely. safe to assume that everyone can look back at a moment and say, man, I really wish I hadn't have done that. Absolutely. And everyone, And I think everyone dreams of being given the opportunity to go back and change that. I think that's just human nature, right? We always want to... to we just dream about being able to change the past. Right? But the past is what defines us. Mm -hmm. It's what makes us who we are. Mm -hmm. And if you change the past, you change who you are. Yeah. Right? And like it or not, good or bad, that is you, and that is who you are. Yeah. And I just love that message of this episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I said um, earlier when we were starting to, when we were like introducing the concept of how we were going to organize the, and format the show, um, that I could make an argument for any of these potentially being a number one. I take that back. I don't know, because first contact, it would be a hard sell for something to take that number one spot. But uh, if we took the movies out completely, I could, you know, make an argument for other episodes being in a number one but inner light's darn good tapestry's darn good um kind of like we've been talking about and all these episodes are good there's not a there's not a single dud that we've listed off you know as we've been going through this like so extensively so yeah yeah can i can i do my quote in here for this episode yeah i cut you off but yeah okay 
Yeah, it's a good one here, okay? So, right, what happens is Picard, he goes back and he changes this moment in his life. Like, early on in his life, he got into a fight with a Nausicaan, and, uh, which basically, if you're not familiar with the Nausicaans, imagine the Predator. Yeah, right? that's a fair assessment. That's, a, that's essentially what the Nausicaans look like. And he gets into this fight with three Nausicaans, and he gets stabbed through the heart. Yep. And uh, he has to get a replacement, an artificial heart. And then years later in the future, it's this... He gets, like, shot. And because he has this artificial heart, it kills him. And Q says, well, if you had a real heart, you would have lived. And so Q gives him this opportunity to go back in time and not fight the Nausicaan. Yeah. To live. And so when he flashes to the future, after he changes his past, he's not Captain Picard. He's Lieutenant J.G. Picard. Yep. Okay. And and he there's a moment he goes into his into his quarters, and you can see like this look of dread on his face. And he says this. He says, "You having a good laugh now, Q?" Does it amuse you to think of me living the rest of my life as a dreary man in a tedious job? And Q says, I gave you something most mortals never experience. A second chance at life. And now all you do is complain. And Picard says, I can't live out my days as that person. That man is bereft of passion and imagination. That is not who I am. And Q says, au contraire. He's the person you wanted to be. One who was less arrogant and undisciplined in his youth. One who was less like me. The, the Jean-Luc Picard you wanted to be, the one who did not fight the Nausicans, had quite a different career. That Picard never had a brush with death, never came face to face with his own mortality, never realized how fragile life is or how important each moment must be. Mm-hmm. So his life never came into focus, mm-hmm. right? And he never was offered a command. He learned to play it safe. And he never, ever got noticed by anyone. Mm-hmm. And, like, like I pointed out a few Q quotes in this list. But Q, man, Q is so astute in his observations, right? That comes from just being this omnipotent or omniscient, omnipotent. I'm not sure exactly the word. but Omnipotent man, would be some, all-knowing. Okay, so omnipotent. So he's just got this these great insights from him and this episode was written by ronald d moore um who if i've mentioned his name on the podcast several times he was a writer on here he wrote star trek first contact he created the board queen um and he also is the creator of the new reimagined battlestar galactica mm-hmm. yeah yeah so there we have it. There we have it, guys. We've we've gone through the essentials, the best of, and the absolute best. Our, our ranking of top ten uh, Picard episodes. So, uh, what I want to do is, uh, before we call it a day, and I know this has kind of been um, a longer episode, is um, I want to kind of highlight just a few um a few comments uh from some folks in um this 
hailing frequencies uh, segment um, as we kind of wrap things up. So recently I was asking some folks, um, uh, more or less, you know, what it means to you, what does it mean to you to have Patrick Stewart return to Star Trek and Star Trek Picard um, and having them, you know, kind of comment on it. And um, got a few a few comments. Um, uh, we got Rebecca Stark saying, I think it's brilliant. Um, uh, I got David Downing saying, who is Patrick Stewart with a, a little cheeky use of the emojis? So thank you, David. Uh, and he said, I think it's pretty awesome. He's willing to come back to Trek, which I do too. Um, Andy Allen saying, um, who is the person who cosplays uh, Commander Shelby, by the way. Um, I love it. And some other old faces like Seven being back is icing on the cake. Um, and um, in fact, Rebecca Starks commented on that saying, um, Andy, I know what you mean. I was squealing like a weirdo when I saw Will and Deanna Riker. So yeah, like I was, <laughs> I was, I was pretty stoked whenever I saw that in the, in the trailers myself. And um, kind of rounding off some of these comments comes from uh, Tony Jantz, who actually cosplays um, uh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard. And we've gotten several photos together. Um, and he says, hopefully it means we have high quality Trek on TV again. Can't wait to see all the old familiar faces. And uh, I agree with all those comments. Um, I think that uh, there is hope that we'll be having um, more of the Trek that we might have been used to um, up to 2005 with um, Enterprise going off the air. Um, I think there's going to be a quality about it, especially with um, you know uh, Sir Pat Stu being in the, the writers' room, being an executive producer, and you know having his notes and his ideas um, being uh, being there and being present. So I think I think we're in for for a great ride in in terms I, of return to Trek. I think the fact that Patrick Stewart is in the writing room is really going to help this show because if something gets written that he doesn't agree with or he says, "Are you sure about that?" I feel like he has the the gravitas and the cachet at this point to get the writers to change their mind. Absolutely. And I would hope that they would listen to him because he understands this character better than anyone else. Well, yeah, I mean, he's been doing it for 32 years, really 32 and a half, 33 years by this point, since they probably started filming in 86, and this premiered in 87. So, yeah, yeah. anyway, well, we are at the end of this episode, um, and this has been a doozy of one. So, guys, I hope that... Um, this has helped you um, if this is your first go at, at a Trek and getting you prepared for, for Star Trek Picard that's going to be airing here on the 23rd of January of this year. So, um, Eric, any final comments or, or thoughts before we, we kind of wrap up and call it a day? I just want to reiterate that like, I'm excited for this coming up, this Star Trek Picard, and... Um, you know, if you're new to this and you really want to jump in, hopefully we've given you some good insight into this character to help you really prepare for this upcoming show. For sure, for sure. And you know what? We have we've given you our opinions on best of and essentials and our rankings of this stuff. You know, I want to keep this conversation going, okay? So let's not just keep it here with this recording, with this episode that Eric and I have put together for you guys, but I want to hear about what your what you consider to be essentials and your best and your rankings um, on um, on on our Facebook group. So um, 
please do that. Um, let's let's hear about it. Um, you know, tweet about it. Uh, let us know. Um, and with that, um, uh, I do want to thank Eric one more time. So thank you so much, Eric, for uh, for being here um, for as long as you have been. Um, not just today, but the last several episodes, basically. Yeah, absolutely. You know, whenever you want me to come back and talk, I'm glad to do so. This is a lot of fun. And and you told me that you've been getting some feedback that people, you know, like the like the dynamic that we have, how we can talk to each other. So I'm just really glad to hear that. Absolutely. Me too. Me too. It makes things a little easier not having to carry this show on my shoulder by myself completely. So um, anyways, with that, guys, um, thank you so much for listening uh, to today's show, um, for listening to all the shows if you've been to that point. If you haven't, you can always go back to the beginning and check it out. Um, the show has evolved. Um, since it started back in October 2009, um, in bits and pieces, of course. And um, thank you for sh- supporting it by by listening. Now, here's what I need you to do. In order for other people to be more aware of this particular show, uh, please like it, follow it, subscribe, share it with your friends, um, share it with your Trek friends uh, that might enjoy this. We're, we're pretty low-key. Uh, we try and have fun together and just you know, have fun. That's, that's really all it comes down to. So, um, with that, if you got a friend that uses like Apple iTunes or something like that, when they are not in the room and they leave their phone on the table, this is what I need you to do. Grab their phone, get into it, go to Apple iTunes and just subscribe them. And then that'll automatically download and they'll be like, Hey, what the heck, man? This is pretty cool. Star Trek is on my phone. Okay. I'll listen to it. You can do the same thing for Stitcher and Spotify and Google Play and anywhere else that you or your friends might listen to podcasts. Okay, you can also uh, check us out on all the socials, um, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. On Instagram and Twitter, we are at TRTVPod. And on Facebook, you can do the same thing, at TRTVPod is our, um, I guess, our shorthand, whatever. But if you found the page, you found the group. There's a button that says Join Group, and that's where um, some of the conversation continues there. So um, make sure you like the page, join the group, and follow us on all the socials. Now, if you want to get in contact with us and you want to share your favorite stuff with us, like we kind of like what we went through, or just your own initiation into Star Trek, please, please, please open hailing frequencies. And um, you can enter in coordinates trtvpod at gmail.com and send us an email that way. You can also um, uh, you know, get a hold of us um, by... Uh, calling us by doing a voice-only communication by entering in coordinates 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute time limit, and your comments, your message, your notes, whatever it might be, may be used on a future episode of These Are the Voyages or TRTV News. So just remember that. Now, finally, if you're just really into those long-range communications where you want to write something to us or send us a package, you can do that. You can use one of those Starfleet subspace communication buoys by, um, you know, using the coordinates um, to get to the Lone Star Station, uh, PO Box two four five five, Azle, Texas A Z L E seven six zero nine eight. Guys, thank you again for sticking with us this long and um, hearing us um, talk about um, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Captain now Admiral Jean Luc that you have a wonderful day and as always you boldly go and make it so take care